save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Clark Kent would never suggest creating a gulag. I'm, I'm quite sure of that. But, but, <laughs> but, 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 King, but Kingdom Come Kal-El. That's, that's the totally cold fun. opening. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Trip Comics Podcast. Starring Mark Clare and Renzo Martinez. Thy will be done, thy kingdom come. No, I have not taken on a side gig as a uh, as a Catholic priest. I am, in fact, referencing the book we're going to be discussing today, Kingdom Come, by the great Mark Wade and the extra amazingly great Alex Ross. But of course, I would not be here reviewing this book today alone. I guess I, I could be. There are circumstances in which I might be, but those circumstances are not here today. I am here, of course, as always, with my co-host, the Ramblin' Man himself, Remzo Martinez. Remzo, what's happening? Fun fact, Mark. I am actually an ordained minister in 48 states. Oh, that is a fun fact. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I am as well. Oh, did you take Did you take the Dudist priest route? I, no, I did the Universal Life Church. Oh, yeah. It, I, I went with a, a cult that's dedicated to the dude from The Big Lebowski. Oh, that you just have You just have to promise to be righteous all the time and just, you know, hold up Dudist principles. <laughs> Well, I think we both do that pretty well ourselves, to be honest. So a bit. Um, now that's actually a, 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 that could actually be a Patreon perk we offer. You know, at a certain level, you can have Mark or Remzo or maybe both of us ma- marry you and, and do your wedding, just like Bill and Ted. That yeah. would be awesome. <laughs> and uh, I, I would like to take a, a a minute before we head into things today to give a big, warm SPC welcome to all of the fans coming over from the Weird Science. Uh, I say Weird Science DC Comics podcast because that's how I started listening. They also have the Weird Science Marvel podcast. They also have a Star Wars podcast. They have everything. But uh, our friend Jim over there has been doing uh, yeoman's work, yeoman America's work, um, sending fans our way and and hyping up our show. And I really, really appreciate it. And uh, this week, I think Jim gave us an idea for uh, another Patreon level. He referenced how he might want to be alone someday in a room with Mark and Remzo. So I think we're going to introduce a couple new Patreon levels, the the, uh, alone in a room with Mark and Remzo level, and then the uh, have Mark and or Remzo officiate your wedding level. We're going to have to work out the, the price structures uh, offline, I think, on that one. It works. You know, like I said, 48 states. So if you're in one of those two states, we'll do something underground real awesome. We might even combine it. So that way we will get you married in a room with us. Who Whoa. knows? Maybe maybe Whoa. we'll get a meta level, combine it, a bundle. I'm all about the bundles. Depending on the state. If we're in Utah, you could even 
be we could even be part of your marriage, but that might be going too far. Yeah, I mean, you know, six, seven people, tax incentives, people, tax incentives. Exactly, exactly. Imagine having six dependents and three of them are me, Remzo, and uh, <laughs> and Jim Werner. <laughs> I mean, there are worse things in life. Things are already kind of weird. Let's make them weirder. Exactly. The thing is, when, when we're your dependent, you have to buy us comics. A lot of comics. I don't think that's very high maintenance. I think that's a very simple demand. I think so. I think so. It's just, it's just taking me back to when I was 12 or 13, and that's literally all I required. Like, food is, I don't need food. Um, water, optional, but I need comics. I need comics. Words of affirmation. Exactly. Occasional words of affirmation. Uh, but that is why we are here on this show each and every week to make sure that you guys get your fill of comic talk, get the inspiration to go out there and read a lot of the books we talk about. And, and this book today is one that I think any comic fan, a uh, longtime comic fan, has has probably has some sort of thoughts or feelings about. Uh, it is an epic work. It is one of the the bigger um, books to come out of the DC Elseworlds line. And uh, this came out, I believe, let's see, in 1996, May 1996, a couple years after the Marvels series. Now, uh, I, I say Marvels because that was really how Alex Ross uh, kind of bloomed and, and became big in the comic book community with his, his beautiful painted art in Marvels that we discussed uh, several weeks back. Now we're coming back to Alex Ross and going over to his DC work. This time, instead of part being partnered with Kurt Busiek, as he was on Marvels, he is instead partnered with the also very great comic writer Mark Wade to take a dive into DC lore. And uh, these are kind of interesting bookends because while Marvels looks at uh, you know, a certain perspective from this reporter of a lot of the early, uh, early imaginations, early appearances of, of superheroes heroes uh, in the Marvel Universe. Here, we are actually looking into the future, a somewhat dystopian future of the DC Universe. Uh, so they're kind of interesting little mirror versions of each other, these two stories. Uh, but really, other than the, the art of Alex Ross and the epic nature of both very, very different stories otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been hinting this throughout whenever we mention Alex Ross, blessed be his name. If I were to go ahead and create a time capsule right now with a couple of graphic novels, Marvels and Kingdom Come would probably be one of, if not the only books I put in there. Because if you want to understand where comics were and where comics are going, if you want the pinnacle of excellence, which to say might spoil my review towards the end. I can't name anything above these books. They're not just comics. They're not just stories. It's true art in a medium that is uniquely American, and I love it. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to be ne nearly literally repeating the words that I said when uh, we set up the Marvels podcast. But, you know, just as we talk about certain writers like Alan Moore, uh, Neil Gaiman, as, as yes, they write comic books, but they really are writers. They're like, they're writers, they're novelists who happen to write comic books as well. And uh, in that same vein, Alex Ross is just an incredible artist overall, an incredible, incredible artist who happens to apply some of that talent to comic books. Do you, do you follow his Facebook page? Not, no, I don't. Bro, it is one of the few reasons why I still enjoy going on Facebook because he posts stuff that he doesn't even post elsewhere he still does regular work and these are usually like smaller pieces but i mean he'll just do like character profiles just for the heck of it it's absolutely my, probably my favorite page on facebook all right well i will uh I will add that along with my time in the second print comics fan zone to my very few reasons that remain for me to be on facebook 
Okay, so if Alex Ross is like the god of nerds on Facebook, then the Second Brick Comics fan zone is like Noah's Ark. If we're going all biblical, as I as you could probably assume, this man is the artist of the gods. He's yeah. just that freaking good. And it's an appropriate theme for today. I talk about going biblical because that really is quite literally a theme of this book, Kingdom Come. So uh, we're going to dive right into this thing. And uh, we start off. I, I love the, this first uh, splash panel because, you know, we're, we're starting off with basically some Bible quotes. We're going to find out why it's because uh, we are we're kind of seeing this whole story uh, through the perspective of this preacher in the DC Universe future. His name is Norman McKay. Oh, wait, you're reading through the app, right? Yeah, why is it different? Okay, this is why. Well, it's there, but here's what's on the first page. You you will probably be able to see it just a bit. But the first page, I've got the 2015 trade back of Kingdom Come. It's a silhouetted um, portrait of Superman, and it says, dedicated to Christopher Reeve, who makes us believe that man can fly. And if that doesn't set the stage for the whole mentality going towards it, I don't know what what oh, does. Yeah, I have that in mind, too. I was just skipping over all the front stuff. Yeah, but that is actually the first page of this. I think we are looking at the same. I'm, I'm looking at the digital version of that same graphic novel. OK, cool, cool. Yeah, but no, I, I had to mention that. Fun fact, again, I live right next to Culpeper, Virginia. Culpeper, Virginia is where Christopher Reeve went horse riding and ended up getting jocked off and paralyzed. So wow. there's that connection. Wow, what a time. I don't know if jocked off is, is the term. Jockeyed off, kicked off, he was thrown off. Anyway, Culpepper, Virginia broke Christopher Reeve. Yes, and we're going to try to put him back together, at least uh, by honoring him through this book. Uh, at but least. Yeah, and r- right on the next page is uh, a really be- another beautiful silhouetted uh, artwork of the the Justice League there. So, too. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to gloss over any art here. So thanks for pointing this all out because, I mean, every little panel from Alex Ross is could be a poster that lined my my nerdy wall. Uh, it's really, really always beautiful stuff. But getting into the actual story, uh, like I said, we're getting we're hearing some quotes from Norm McKay's uh, his little his little um, what do you call it when a preacher talks in church? I'm not very religious. Remzo. Sermon a sermon. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for from Norman McKay's sermon. But this very first panel too, the, the visual that we see, we're kind of seeing these sort of apocalyptic images and we see an image here of like this eagle uh, that kind of has like the American flag uh, battling this bat. And uh, I, I think it really goes to show what some of the images that we're going to kind of see later on in this story um obviously this eagle um can represent superman or what have you and the bat i mean i don't think we need to get more uh get too detailed in analyzing what the bat probably represents here uh batman perhaps uh but this bat it really reminds me too of, of barbados uh i keep seeing these like images when we look at other batman stories of these these big demonic bats and i, I keep thinking back to scott snyder bringing in that actual like bat god barbados and and tying it all into batman's origin uh, again all coincidence but I, I i tend to look at things differently went through the eyes of newer stories that have come out and say hey maybe i can imagine that that there's this evil you know barbados bat force that's that's kind of you know weaving throughout all these stories in the dc universe because thanks to uh death metal everything matters and everything happened including i guess this kingdom come universe it's all important it all matters all right so just to start off though there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. This is just this is just beyond these like beautiful, beautiful images of like this this kind of I don't know hellish battle. I guess you could say there fell a great star from heaven, burning as if it were a lamp. And and I beheld and heard an angel saying with a loud voice, "Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of earth 
And we move on here and we see that we are actually we are in the hospital now. It's, okay, he wasn't actually in the um, in the church yet, I guess, at this point. Um, but yeah, we have um, Norman McKay, this preacher here. He is um, in the hospital and he's saying that they're not nightmares, they're visions. And we actually see here, um, who is he in the hospital with? Yeah, his name is Wesley. He's a terminally ill patient. Yeah, he's in there with this terminally ill patient, and um, he's seeing visions of, actually, we see here, the Sandman. Not the Neil Gaiman Sandman, but the classic DC Universe Sandman with, like, the gas mask on. So I found I found that pretty interesting as well. And, uh, yeah, they say, once upon a time, he called himself the Sandman. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and they said, basically, um, let's see. Man, my notes are very poor here. So basically, we're at the hospital, and what we're being introduced to is Norman's world. So he goes ahead and he leaves Wesley, somebody who may have some type of connection to the Sandman. And as he leaves, we go on to the next page, and what we see is that um, Wesley has passed, and as Norman is moving on throughout his days, we see glimpses of the Daily Planet. The headline says that the UN enacts more metahuman censures. And as he goes around, it just seems like, you know, this is Metropolis as we usually envision it. And what, you know, is probably aptly described as the Christopher Reeve shining example of Metropolis in like the 30s, 40s, but brought on to today. But it's different. I mean, the bars are closed down. There's graffiti on the walls. There are statues. One looks like a statue of Lady Justice um, that you would typically have in front of a courthouse. That's just completely like smashed into a building. And, you know, you're looking at that and you're like, what the hell could make that happen? And as he goes around, I mean, you see just more sensationalism. You see people talking about the Gotham Knights, um, a whole all this other stuff. You see that this is the DC world that you probably know about, but there's something twisted about it that you can't quite put your finger on. You just know that something is awry in this world. Indeed. Way to pick me up when, when I'm stumbling, Remzo. That was an excellent summary of our introduction to uh, Norman McKay's world here. Uh, we also see he goes into this uh, restaurant called Planet Krypton, which uh, they, we kind of see like very like cartoonish images of, of DC heroes like Green Lantern, Wonder Woman. Uh, we even see Plastic Man there on the Planet Krypton front. And uh, what do you think of this, this restaurant, Planet Krypton? What were your thoughts about that? I would go eat there. I would definitely go eat there. Are you kidding me? How does this not exist already? Copyright. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. You would think you would think Marvel or not Marvel, but you would think Warner Brothers would, would capitalize on, on some of these ideas and actually actually make you know create this uh, create this restaurant, create a, a place for uh, you know for nerdy fans to go pay way too much money for uh, for a banana split. To, you know, where does Kevin Smith record his his uh, his podcast in L.A. The Scum and Villainy Cantina and Hollywood Boulevard, and that's all Star Wars themed. Mm-hmm. That, that was on my bucket list until California went kaputs. Yeah. Yeah. So Norm McKay is walking into uh, Planet Krypton here. And uh, basically, the, he, he eventually like he, he's walking around and he I, I feel like he's kind of like, you know, reminiscing about the days of yore back when, you know, superheroes. And this is kind of what this this planet Krypton is. It's back when superheroes were a fun thing that we all that we all you know associated with joy and uh, heroic acts, because now in this future that Norm McKay is in, uh, there is a much different association with these quote unquote heroes. They are associated with the destruction that we see all around us. Uh, there are a, a different kind of hero basically now. Uh, we see he comes across this, this crazy battle with all these like wild creatures, uh, wild superpower creatures battling each other. My favorite one is this like 
I call him like Mantor, who's he's not actually Mantor. Mantor is actually a comic book character, but he's this like Minotaur character with like this laser gun and uh, <laughs> battling this these machine monster and this other woman who's who's uh, you know shooting lasers out of her hands. I mean, there's just there's just destruction in the streets, and it's hard to even say who's necessarily the good guys or the bad guys here. And uh, this is the world that Norman McKay is living in now. Uh, he actually like saves a little girl from uh, from like a falling building here, um, and he and he's saying you know after all these are supposed to be our protectors and meanwhile there's just all this death and destruction associated with them so uh we're kind of like laying the groundwork for where things have gone in the dc universe since the time that we're familiar with since the time where heroes actually worried about um the lives of the innocent where they where heroes were actually protecting the innocent now it seems we're we're more in a world where whether they're heroes anti-heroes villains whatever they are they're battling each other and the you know now it's like the regular civilians are kind of just caught in the crossfire in this this these greater battles that are going on as opposed as opposed to being protected by the heroes themselves. I mean, another thing to remember, Mark, we, we have to also understand the time that this is coming out. This is 1996. So far, all these golden age heroes have basically been pushed aside in order to really catch up with things. As we've discussed on this show, DC had to break Batman's back. That goes back to like one of the early episodes we did. That goes back to Death of Superman, which is another episode we did. And the commonality is that for these heroes to keep up, they have to become darker and grittier. And just when you look at the aesthetic of these new younger heroes, they're, they don't look like the heroes, as you mentioned. They look more like the Punisher, Cable. They look more like image creations. So maybe that is a little bit of undertoning that uh, Wade and Ross are doing by basically saying, you know, is there a place for our heroes in this new age of heroes? And are, is this new age of heroes even very heroic? This is basically Ross and Wade saying that this is a reflection of the 90s state of heroes and comics. Right. Very, yeah, very, very much so. I mean, and, and yeah, this is kind of just this future we're seeing is kind of just a natural continuation of a lot of the, I guess, darkness, the deconstruction of superheroes that we saw from DC Comics, like you mentioned, with the the, the breaking of Batman's back, uh, the grittier Azrael that we saw come in to replace him or the death of Superman and seeing other characters come in to replace him like Cyborg Superman, who was turns out to be a villain. But, you know, a lot of darker heroes uh, or antiheroes were coming in even in main DC continuity. Uh, in the mid to early 90s here. And now we're seeing sort of an extension, a look into that future. One thing I wanted to mention earlier too, uh, that, that I missed about this guy that Wesley was, uh, Wesley, that Norm McKay was meeting this Wesley guy who passed away. He actually was the original Sandman, Wesley Dodds. Again, not the Neil Gaiman Sandman, which we will get to soon, uh, but the actual DC Universe version of the Sandman, who, and I'm honestly not all that familiar with that character. My, my most familiarity with him is that he is actually actually is referenced in the DC uh, I'm sorry in Neil Gaiman's Vertigo Sandman uh, again that's on our agenda we'll be getting to that one of these days uh, yeah but we're here in church here and Norman you know he's been seeing all this stuff going on in the world and he just couldn't even get through this sermon he's 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 given his speech he's saying his speech his sermon fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come he he and he just stops he says like forgive me this this isn't what I wanted to do. Do forgive me. And, and he just, he just ends his sermon. And cause he just, he, he just couldn't get through it. He's, he's too broken inside. He's too uh, scared about everything that um, not just that he's seeing in the world around him, but the world, the words of this guy, Wesley, who was having these visions, having these nightmares uh, about these sort of hellish battles. And now Norman is walking around the street and seeing these, these very same kind of sort of hellish type battle scenes in the real street here. So he's very discouraged and uh, you know, he's probably quite, 
questioning his own faith in many ways. And while he's doing so, while he's sitting in his church alone, suddenly he looks up and who does he see, Remzo? The Spectre. Remzo, what can you tell us about the Spectre? The Spectre is basically an immortal spiritual being who goes out and enacts justice on the world of man. So think of him as Ghost Rider, expect way more biblical. And what he does is he basically interjects himself in big events because he has basically direct communication with the creators of the multiverse and everything else. So think of him as like uh, a being between man and gods, so to speak. Yeah, almost like um, I guess you can't really compare him to the Watcher, although he kind of serves somewhat for the purposes of this story. He kind of serves the purpose of, of the Watcher. He's like the Watcher because he comes in for these big things like he was big when it came to like zero hour and stuff yep. like that. So he yep. has almost like near godlike powers. But he's I also equate him to like Ghost Rider because for him to be on Earth for long periods of time, he has to take a human host. So kind of like Etrican in the DC universe, Etrican can only walk on Earth through, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Damian Blood or something. Uh, the, the guy who, who whose body he kind of got merged with. So it's one of those situations. Indeed. So here, this is just kind of the, the spirit version of the Spectre. And he says, I have need of you, Norman McKay. And Nor- Norman's like, OK, and now the visions talk to me. I guess I've gone mad, which is funny because, I mean, this is this is a, a, a preacher. This is someone who is really supposed to believe in the divine, believe in the spirit world. So now we're seeing, you know, just as he's in this moment of his faith being tested based on everything he's seeing around him. Now his, his faith is really being tested because he's being confronted with a true representation of the divine in some way shape or form and he's but his first thought is not oh here i am meeting a spirit his first thought is oh i must have lost my mind so i, I just find that really interesting and and the specter says hardly in fact your sanity may be paramount to mankind's survival even as, even as i stand before you an act of unspeakable evil has begun to manifest armageddon is fast approaching but you know this you have the dreams and norman's like you can see into my mind into my soul what are you an angel he's like nah, sort of uh, a higher power has charged me with the task of punishing those responsible for this coming evil so the specter is not there to necessarily alter events he's there to witness the events and i guess punish those responsible for what is yet to come and norman i guess in some way is going to serve as not his host but um sort of his guide through the events that are about to unfold um in this story that we're going to see here so what do you just think of the overall narrative uh of it's almost like um it's almost like a, a, a charles dickens uh you know t- you know a christmas story type a uh, type setup here where we have this this specter this spirit taking norman and Kay only not through his his own life, but through this storyline here of the Kingdom Come uh, DC Universe. I actually think that's a very apt description because I've always equated how this story is told through uh, A Christmas Carol. And I think it's one of the best ways for us to really take a look at a book with this type of story because we could look at through one singular hero or maybe like a regular ensemble book where it's bouncing between heroes. But just like with Marvel's, like the reporter who is the main character of that, uh, we get to see this amazing world through the eyes of a person who's just like us. In this case, it's Norman. So to see it from somebody who's like us but is of this different world that's another way to be reintroduced to all these fantastic things that you might know but you're gonna learn about them in a different way 
Yeah. And Spectre goes on to explain to him, you know, we we must both be witness the events that will lead to Ar- Armageddon. So come with me. And Norman's like, I can't just leave. My congregation depends on me. They look to me for and I, I love this because then Spectre just goes for what? Because then we looked around. We see that his sermon is on the ground. Uh, the Bible's on the ground. He couldn't even get through his sermon. Everyone left the church. He's like, what What are they looking to you for exactly here? Like they, you just let them down today. So they're not looking to you for anything. You're actually free this afternoon, <laughs> basically. So, uh, yeah, he, he takes his hand. And then Norman's like, well, hold on. Before we get into this this crazy adventure here, explain this to me. If you're truly a being of great power, how is it you can find no way to avert this catastrophe? Inspector says, that is not my task. Once Earth boasted other saviors who might have stemmed the tide of this destruction, but as you will see, they are no longer the solution. They are, in many ways, the problem. And now we go on our little journey here, and Spectre takes us to Kansas, where we get to see... Old man Superman and Superman is just here. Clark Kent, I guess you could say, is uh, just here kind of building a house in the middle of Kansas and uh, on a farm here. And uh, one one interesting thing I wanted to point out when I was doing a little research for this. Do you remember when we did uh, Batman and Superman World's Finest, the Batman and Superman team up book? Oh, Public Enemies. Public Enemies. Yeah. Yeah. World's Finest, because that's what I always call them together. But yeah. 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 there's that one weird part that where this Superman from the future comes out and battles the other Superman. And then is that just, this Superman? That is Kingdom Come Superman. Uh, ah, yeah. okay. Because I looked up appearances of Kingdom Come Superman, and that is listed in DC continuity as an appearance of Kingdom Come Superman. Now, is it from this exact same? Yeah, I always thought that was like Earth, Earth Two Superman, who we see in like the Crisis events. I always get confused of this one. Yeah, well, apparently it's this one. It's Kingdom Come Superman. So Kingdom Come is actually like its own alternate. You know, it's one of the I think even now in the current DC multiverse, there is actually no. I think now they have an Earth that's just called like the Elseworlds Earth or something. But anyway, whatever they're doing now in DC, everything counts. It matters. Everything matters. Or nothing matters, depending on your perspective. But anyway, they're they're just checking out uh, Clark Kent uh, slash Superman, who is is retired. And you know, Norman McKay is like, oh, yeah, I remember this guy. He left Metropolis. Something happened. There was like a trial or something. I can't remember what happened. Uh, but I recall a certain sense of uh, inevitability. Like they just knew, you know, he was going to go away here. Whatever it was, they, it drove him here. And they says, my God, he is so alone. And the specter says, not always, because who shows up? It's old Wonder Woman. Although she looks, she looks fantastic. For, she for looks good to be here. And it's interesting because Wonder Woman is already supposed to be like thousands of years old, but then they they aged her here, which is like even though it's probably only been like fifty years or something like that. She looks like she looks like the actress from the like Linda Carter. She looks like Linda Carter, which she is looks like modern day Linda Carter, not she's, even nineties Linda Carter. She she's she looks awesome. Yeah, it, it's uncanny. So yeah, Wonder Woman shows up just to uh to talk to. <laughs> it's, it's, I like it here too. She says, hello, Clark, Clark. And he just looks at her like angrily. And she goes, oh, uh, Carl. <laughs> he's like, Dan, I haven't seen you in months. What brings you to the farm? Uh, the vain hope that you're not actually still here. And he's like, you know, th- this, is, this is my roots. This is where, this is where I live. I'm just chilling. And, you know, basically it's just, you know, it's laid out that they are, are good friends and that she's kind of always been checking on him here once in a while since he's, um, you know, kind of came to this place of solitude. And it actually is a place of solitude because it turns out this is not actually Kansas. This is, uh, she, he presses some button and now we see they're like, they're, this is all inside this like electric grid. So it seems like he, he's actually inside. I believe he's actually inside the fortress of solitude here. And then kind of in a, in a computerized, uh, you know, created version of Kansas, which is just, you know, supposed to make him feel. He, he's like red dead. You know, he's like in his own version of red dead redemption Two, where you could spend hours fishing and 
building farms and stuff like that, except it's all around him. Is that the plot of that? Is that kind of like a um, a Westworld? It, yeah, I mean, it's it's basically like that, except in that game, it's so like it, it's so like intelligent and stuff like you could spend like hours and hours just going to, like different lakes and ponds and rivers and streams, just fishing and doing like mundane stuff like running errands. Okay. So it's yeah. like it's like Grand Theft Auto, but for people that really like rural life, just want to like relax. Yeah, well, I guess that's a good analogy then, because that's that's basically what he's doing here. He's just, you know, building uh, an imagine. <laughs> it's not imaginary, but just building a farm, doing mundane tasks and, and such like that, you know, um, taking care of horses. And who knows if these horses are, are real or not. But yeah, he's just kind of living living that country life to escape from everything. And I guess they are real animals because Cal's like, you're spooking the animals out, <laughs> turning on this, turning on this electrical grid and reminding them they're not actually at a real farm here. And she says, like, well, at least I provoked a reaction in something. She's like, look, man, I've come with some news there from outside the world. It's really bad. Like things are really going bad. And she says, Cal, he's out of control. So they're referencing someone here that we're going to find out about. I tried to tell them that 10 years ago. And, they, and, and she says, I, they didn't listen. I know. But stop punishing them. We need your help. Like, and he's like, look, I'm not interested. I'm, I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. And she's like, I. I see. Did you live in nothing but lies? And basically they end up going on and they, they show like the, this, um, this big news screen of all the events, uh, going on around the world. And, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of stuff is happening here. And we basically, we learn that uh, essentially there's this guy, Magog, who is, yeah, he's kind of like the guy who's taken charge of, of superhero stuff. And again, he's not a hero as much as an anti-hero. He's kind of like a very superpowered punisher type, you know, take no prisoners uh, kind of hero. And and um, the reason we're seeing all of these, uh, all of these um, you know, sort of characters that operate in that vein. Now it, it all stems back to uh, essentially to Magog's leadership. Like they, they kind of see humans as, as dispensable in some ways, like the, like, like, you know, using force and uh, you know, taking charge and then dishing out his own brand of justice kind of supersedes anything, including you see the all the pouches, the pouches. Yeah. Like Magog is just all pouches and pockets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He is totally the nineties. Yeah. He's, he's horns and pouches and all sorts of things. He actually kind of reminds me, um, a little bit of uh, what man? It's, it's, he, he's he's literally a copy of cable because Alex Ross actually hates the character cable. Because fun fact, Alex Ross actually does not like Rob Liefeld. <laughs> hmm. I don't know why, but for some reason, that's a thing. We're going to have to do a special episode someday, like looking into like comic books, top feuds. I would love to see Gaiman and Moore fight each other. Oh, no, <laughs> maybe maybe Moore and Miller fight each other like to the death. Isn't it Moore and Ellis that have a, a feud? Yeah, I think Warren Ellis has a feud with everybody, actually. Basically. And then there's uh, my favorite feud of all time is is the uh, the Peter David Eric Larson feud because they actually feuded. I think I, I referenced this on another episode before, but they actually feuded inside their own letters pages columns. Like Eric Larson wrote letters into the Incredible Hulk, and 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 then like Peter David re- would respond and write a letter into Savage Dragon, and they would like they would feud within their own comic books in these different companies, which I just I just thought was always hilarious. But honest. there is no larger feud than Tom King. And all his fans. <laughs> and for more on my long-running feud with Tom King and my Tom King fanhood, check out our pandemic reading list special from episode number eight. Back to the show. 
But anyway, yeah, uh, all sorts of shit is going down here, and we are seeing that uh, this creature called the Parasite split open Captain Adam. So he's dead. <laughs> um, and there's, like, death and destruction everywhere. Um, there were early reports that uh, there were immediate ca casualties, numbering close to a million, as the dying Adam's radioactive energy swept hundreds of kilometers, uh, rendering the entire state of Kansas, as well as parts of Nebraska, Iowa, Missouri, and a radiated wasteland. So, uh, not only is there, you know, this death and destruction everywhere from from, from the wake of how these uh, quote unquote heroes or antiheroes are operating, uh, but now due to this splitting of Cat Captain Adam, there is this nuclear event and like a shit ton of people and and cows. Apparently, that's mostly what we see here. Dead dead cows died. Uh, so Diana basically just showed up to show Superman, like, look what's happened. Look what's been going down since you've been living here in the Fortress of Solitude. So basically, I mean, what, what what we just saw with the Justice Battalion, that's Magog's new team. I mean, the fact that all these characters look like the 90s heroes, the fact that they're called like the, the Justice Battalion, it's way more confrontational, may, way more violent. I mean, they, they've really done a good job in this issue of painting the parallels between the golden age of heroes and where we were in the 90s. And yeah, basically, like Diana just takes off, she, and he because he's like, "Look, there's nothing I can do from here. Go back to your island, Diana. You're safe there." And she just flies away. And uh, and and um, then we go back to Norman McKay uh, chatting up with Spectre, and uh, basically Spectre's kind of giving him a little bit, well, giving giving us the reader a little more of a recap. He's saying, you know, who are they, who are they referencing? Who are the rest of us? And of course, he's referencing she's referencing the Justice League, and he's saying, you know, those who a decade previous felt the crush of Superman's greatest and most necessarily failing, his inability to perceive himself as the inspiration he is. So basically what happened is, we're going to find out later on exactly what set this off, but basically Superman retired, he quit, and because he quit and retired, uh, it kind of, like, all these other heroes sort of lost their own inspiration, and they all kind of faded into the background, and that that's what allowed the rise of Magog and his and his Justice Battalion, his new breed uh, of sort of anti-hero. Um, so that that's where we are now. Um, but yeah, we do actually see some glimpses of the Justice League here. We see uh, the Flash, which looks to be like the um, what's his darn name? What's his name? Mercury. 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 Man, some comic historians we are right now. Is it just Flash Mercury? No, I'm, <laughs> Flash Mercury is a character from Savage Dragon. Actually, it's about Jay Garrick. Yeah, it, it, it yeah, it's, it's like, Jake. It's Jay Garrick. Flash. It, it is right. Yeah, because because he yeah. has that helmet and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. He's um, got the thing, man. The thing. Yeah, we see we see Hawkman, who in this version seems to be actually the a hawk. literal hawk yeah a literal hawk creature there's so many man we could do a whole episode on on all the various iterations of hawkman someday uh we then see my favorite is bird person from rick and morty <laughs> bird person is amazing i am bird person i am bird person later where known is as, tammy later known as phoenix person phoenix person <laughs> um but uh you know we should actually look at the the rick and morty comic someday the, the comic is actually those are dark weird. have you read those yeah, i have a few of them they are good uh but moving on watch rick and morty uh, we then see uh, a version of old man Hal Jordan living up in his Emerald City. Oh, oh, that's that's old man Alan Scott. Oh, is it? Yep, it is. Huh. OK, well, I, I completely misunderstood that. So, yeah, we're going with the, the real old school heroes here. It we're is. talking Justice Society. All right. All right. Um, yeah. And uh, let's see. We also see uh, a glimpse of 
uh, of Atlantis, but I believe Aquaman has been killed in this uh, this version of the reality. Yeah, he's not a fish person. They just kind of <laughs> like hawk person. Fish person. He's not a fish person or a hawk person. He's a he's a nothing person right now. Um, yeah. So we're basically seeing kind of glimpses of all these old heroes, and then also we get a reference to Batman, and we just see the Mecha Batman uh, from uh, kind of from Scott Snyder's uh, New Fifty Two Batman. Uh, but yeah, this is basically Gotham City is is ruled by Batman with these sort of Mech Batman things and then uh we finish things off uh yeah, yeah he's, he's kind of ruling batman ruling gotham with, with sort of like an iron fist here and yeah norman and the specter are sort of arguing about things on this bridge as we see this this uh minotaur character and these other creatures battling on this bridge again minotaur person minotaur person <laughs> minotaur person we see like a <laughs> joker person i don't know we see because a lot of these are supposed to be actually like the, the offspring of other heroes and villains and that sort of thing but they're they're battling on top of this tram all this shit's going down this tram is like falling off the bridge and norman is just yelling like we need hope and as he says that uh we see this little whirlwind coming up and we see uh this this you know the the tram has been lifted out of the ocean back onto the bridge everything is there safely and we look up and who is it who is back it is in fact good old man, good old kingdom come Superman. And he's holding all these villains that he, I guess, took out too as well. So he's back. Soups is back. Uh, but uh, as everyone is seeing hope and joy, we see everyone happy to see Superman, including Norm McKay, but he briefly gets a glimpse, much like uh, Wesley Dodds, who he was visiting earlier in the hospital. We see a glimpse of this burning Superman. So while there is hope arriving as Superman has returned, uh, Norman is actually horrified because he sees the visions and he sees the threat of Armageddon. Isn't The threat of Armageddon hasn't ended. It has just begun. So what do you think of this first uh, issue of Kingdom Come, where uh, it, it, it's a real roller coaster. We find out about this kind of dystopian future where heroes are not what they once were. Uh, then we get this glimpse of hope. It seems like you know all is good. Superman has finally decided to come to come back, so perhaps hope will return. But at the same time, we're actually getting more glimpses of something worse to come ahead. Yeah, I mean, Kingdom Come was really the first attempt, not at superhero deconstructionism, because that goes back to more like The Watchmen with Alan Moore. But this was really the first um, attempt of putting the golden age of heroes on trial. It's really questioning the relevance as to whether or not these old fashioned superheroes have a purpose and are even seen as relevant in modern times. And even though this is in the backdrop of the nineties and the golden age, we see this now we see this with many stories. We see this with Zack Snyder's DC films. We see this with, uh, with the Jupiter's legacy series on Netflix, the boys, this is really the blueprint for a lot of what we see in terms of some of the greater stories of our era. I'm not saying Jupiter's legacy is one of them. That's a whole other topic, but everything really comes from this book. Indeed, man. I would really love to see a kingdom come movie from Zack Snyder. That's what I want. I would dig it. Yeah. Uh, so we start off issue two with more biblical imagery and more biblical quotes uh, just to read from the beginning here. Cause we kind of see in the background, some, sort of a silhouetted dark images of the Justice League. Um, and I saw the seven angels which stood before God and another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and the seven angels prepared themselves to sound. And we see this this vision is all in we, this is really beautiful art, how we kind of pan out from Norman's eye um, to sound the angels. And he's saying, no, I'm with the angels, aren't I? And that now we're back with him. He's kind of snapping out of his vision to come back 
here uh, with the Spectre. And the Spectre has kind of taken him to this place outside of time and space. And now, again, uh, much like uh, much like in A Christmas Carol, we're going to kind of journey around here and, and, and take glimpses of different things. So uh, we come across the, another battle here, a battle here where we see, um, I really like this scene. It's this guy called the Americommando who's just, you know, he's causing all sorts of destruction and people are afraid and such. He's got a hawk cod piece. I just realized that. <laughs> he does. And uh, I also like just some of these little details here. Like he's battling on top of like the Statue of Liberty, which is they can they already show you is like in the middle of being reconstructed, probably from some other battle from some of these uh, heroes. Maybe it has something to do with the blood that writes Lobo was here. That's, that's the exact thing I was about to point out. <laughs> I, I love the little the, the blood sla- or graffiti or whatever it says. It said Lobo was here. <laughs> if it has to do with Lobo, it's totally blood. All right. Uh, so yeah, so this battle's going down uh, again. There's just all these these weird. Uh, there's these couple like. Do you ever have these like little toy things as a kid? These parachute toys that they're just like these little plastic creatures with parachutes. Yeah, you, you drop them. Yeah, that's yeah. What, that's what these guys look like. These, these this red and blue guy. They're just and this red, blue, and white characters that are just diving in here, shooting missiles at and flames at the uh, at the uh, Americando here. And Norman's just Norman's just like witnessing the whole thing. He's saying, "Good God, the bystanders! These aren't heroes. They're madmen. They're they're ready to battle over territory without bothering to care who's caught between them." Someone should do something. And as he says that, we do see the Justice League uh, appearing. Now, this Justice League is an interesting one. It is Superman. It is uh, Hawk Person. Hawkman. Hawk Person. Diana Prince. uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, what I now realize is not Hal Jordan is the Alan Scott old man, uh, old man uh, Green Lantern. Um, We see the Flash. We see Power Girl. And then who is the guy up at the top? Is that like I think that's the Ray. The Ray. So what we can very firmly tell is that this is so this kingdom come is a whole is its own world, except this is very much the justice society, because in this world, there is like no Supergirl because Supergirl is technically power girl, Kara Zor-El. So, you know, the, the fact that we've got Alan Scott, Jake Eric, old man, Superman, old man, Wonder Woman, this is we can very firmly say this is the justice society of the golden age. Indeed. And uh, notably absent, of course, Batman from this whole thing, because he's got a whole different thing going on. So they come back. They uh, they basically clean up, take care of all these these uh, this battle. They put they put a stop to this whole thing. And uh, we find out that they are there are these two like weird, like, um, I don't know, mental something creatures that are, I, I guess, controlling a lot of this action. And they're saying, like, kill them. And then they get taken out from behind. Who is who is this guy that takes them out? We're looking at. Red Robin, a.k.a. Tim Drake. Tim Drake. So Tim Drake is still. See, I'm glad you're here because I thought this was Dick Grayson the whole time. Actually, I I might even be wrong. That might even be Jason Todd. Well, either way, one of us is wrong because we think we think it's three. They never they never actually say it's a Robin. It's a Robin, though. That's for sure. It's a Robin. Yeah, moving along. Um, let's see. So basically, they, they have come back out. The Justice League has has revealed themselves as as being back. They they take care of all these guys. Uh, they clean up the whole thing and then they dive right into a press conference and uh, Superman just kind of gives them the skinny of what's going on here. He's like, good afternoon. Many of you may remember us. We have been away for a while. That was our mistake. In our absence, a new breed of metahumans has arisen. A vast phalanx. I love that word. Pause. I mean, who could ever forget Power Girl? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> power, power Girl and this Robin that we're not sure which one it, which one. It is. Uh, a vast phalanx of self-styled heroes unwilling to preserve life or defend the defenseless 
legion of vigilantes who have perverted their great powers, who have forsworn the responsibilities due them. We have returned to them the meaning of truth and justice. Together, we will guide this new breed with wisdom and, if necessary, with force. Above all, we will restore order. We will make things right again. So at the same time that it sounds, you know, that Superman is back and, uh, you know, trying to bring some new hope, um, he is also kind of delivering some kind of sterner words than even the, the Superman we're used to. He's saying, you know, if necessary with force, we'll restore order. Uh, it's kind of like a dystopianness to his speech as well. What did you think about this speech? It's really him trying to come back and say, listen, like we're going to get things back to normal, but how we do so might not be necessarily normal. And it's less of Superman coming back because he genuinely wants to be back. And it almost sounds slightly condescending in a way. It's like, listen, this is this is kind of just screwed up. Y'all kind of failed to keep your own heroes accountable. So we're kind of here to clean up a mess. He says it more politely because he's Superman. It's Clark. But it's not. It, it it's not as like encouraging and spirit lifting as you would typically get from a Superman monologue. Right. And then uh, we do see here that there we get like a meeting of these humans, which is like the UN and they're like, ladies and gentlemen of the delegation, is anyone here delighted with what we've just heard? No. Why am I not surprised? So there, there, there there's fear in the room because now Norman McKay again, we're, we're kind of following this all around with the specter of Norman McKay. And he's realizing like, this isn't really hope. Like people are actually afraid. <laughs> there, there's more fear from these, these other humans here of what's going to go on. So again, Norman is, is he wants to feel hope that Superman and the justice league or the justice society are back. But at the same time, he he is he is still getting this these like um, this what he calls it a jumble of images a cacophony of apocalyptic verse uh, it still makes so little sense Superman said his league will grow who else will he call to his side and he says we shall see so then we go and we are in the Batcave or what looks like a a flooded version of the Batcave and that's all that's left because uh, Wayne Manor has been destroyed we find out uh, from Batman here uh, that that Bane that the Manor was destroyed by Bane and Two Face and. Uh, yeah, essentially, like I said, Batman is running shit, uh, running Gotham with all these kind of mech robots. And Batman is also like semi paralyzed, not paralyzed because he can walk, but he needs this like suit to walk. It looks like he's in like a neck brace and it seems like whatever happened to him, maybe this is just an extension of, of you know, the, the broken bat thing that, that we saw with Bane. Uh, but basically his body is 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 shot here. Like he, he can only function with with the help of this sort of, uh, yeah, this sort of like suit that he wears essentially and at the end of the day he basically just uh tells batman to fuck off he's like he's like you know um you know i, I don't want anything to do with this like uh yeah some shit is, is bad out there uh but but you know you coming back and then bringing back the justice society like this this isn't what i'm into this isn't this isn't my deal this isn't gonna work for me and 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 uh you know batman's like but bruce like the league needs you and he says well yeah i'm busy all right i got some shit going on and then he goes and just starts ordering his uh his robots around again he's like 25 and 32 resume patrol and uh and and superman says you're you're, what you're too busy to to, to help save the world and he says the crisis at hand isn't new clark where have you been i've been here this whole time he's like oh i'm sorry perhaps i should ask magog so we're getting another reference uh to this magog guy we still don't know exactly uh what what down with all of them um let's see so yeah at the end of the day though he just tells batman to fuck off essentially uh not not batman he tells superman to fuck off Oh, by the way, I, I can also because I did some quick Googling that Red Robin, that Robin we saw is Dick Grayson. So okay. you were right. So I was right. I get I get confused because later in the comics, Tim Drake takes it up. And long story short, continuity stuff, story short, things because comics, yeah. because comics. 
Uh, so Superman takes off and we find out that there were, uh, you know, cause Batman basically says like, I've got some human allies and you know, we're going to do things our way. We're not teaming up with superheroes. So, uh, his allies, they come out of, uh, of hiding and, and they're like, did you, do you think he knew we were here? I'm pretty sure he knew we were here. I think he could feel I could feel his x-rays. He's like, yeah, I'm probably sterile here. And that's <laughs> Oliver Queen that that's saying that. So it's Oliver Queen, uh, Dinah Lance, who is, what's her name? She's his, his girl. Black Canary. Black Canary and Ted Cord, uh, the blue beetle are all there. Um, cause so these are like the, the basically the the human versions the non-powered heroes uh, have kind of joined with Batman and they've kind of got kind of got their own agenda going on so he's got his own plan Superman's got his Justice League and everyone's sort of got their own agenda of how they're going to go about uh, fixing the situation that we're in right now and they they have yeah they basically have their own team he's referencing they have their own team to call in on things now too um, meanwhile Superman we see like a lot of images here of Superman like negotiating some peace um, with like certain superhero teams like so so some of these heroes are, are kind of coming onto the side of the Justice League while others they have to sort of enforce the law and it shows them battling some of these like younger uh like vigilante type heroes so um things aren't exactly smooth you know there's there's some areas where there's peace and uh, alliances being formed but there's other areas where the justice league has to go into action and actually like battle and, and capture these uh some of these vigilantes um let's see wonder woman Let's see. Yeah, there, there's more of these battles here. And uh, yeah, there's this. We, we then cut to see this woman uh, who's nearly being choked to death as this guy says, I said two sugars. <laughs> and uh, we find out this was actually um, who, who is it that was choking her? It was uh, Vandal Savage. Yeah. And they're basically in Lex Luthor's office. And he's like, oh, man, you choked her. You, you killed my secretary. He's like, I just had her trained. And, and, and Vandal Savage is like, well, not very well. Hello, Luthor. <laughs> so he just casually like murders the secretary for not putting two sugars in into into his uh into his uh <laughs> into his coffee here. Vandal Savage looks like Tim Curry. <laughs> yeah. Vandal Savage, yeah, Tim Curry would make a great Vandal Savage. In that would be cool. He could still do it. In the upcoming Kingdom Come movie, brought to you by Zack Snyder, uh, sponsored by Second Print <laughs> Comics. Says, Mr. Savage, I see you've brought King with you. Perhaps he'd like to meet everyone. Come join us. Who is King? I'm not sure if I. I'm not sure if I. I don't know. Anyway, there's this guy, uh, Ibn Al Zufash, who is the heir to uh, Raish Al Ghul's em- Ghul's empire. Uh, Lord Naga, um, some guy named Cobra. We also see Kali- Selena Kyle and her companion Edward Nigma, who is the Riddler. And uh, yeah, they are all here in this new group called the Mankind Liberation Front, essentially. So this is another group that we're seeing, and uh, they are all chatting. Blah 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 blah, and. And um, basically they're there. They, what their goal is, they want to heighten the tensions between the humans and the metahumans. Uh, they want to actually make this problem worse so that the humans will fully revolt against the meta so they can that, get the entire human population on their their side. So uh, basically, so Luther and uh, his crew that he's put together here, they can take their own control of things. Uh, so we're seeing all these different sort of factions that have formed in this future here. And we also see one last guy. We got Luther's, uh, he's got like this little butler here. He says, um, you know, he says, um, <clears throat> what about Superman? Are you worried about Superman? And Luther's Knight's like, Superman will not touch me. He can't do anything to me. Uh, he cannot. In fact, I've got the most marvelous anti-Superman plan. Isn't that right, boy? And this butler says, absolutely, Mr. Luther. So who is this butler? And, and Norman McKay asks the same question. He's like, who is this guy? And the Spectre responds, the captain of the lightning and the thunder. Come, we have spent too much time wallowing in sin. So uh, this, of course, is Shazam, Captain Marvel. Not actually, not actually Shazam. Shazam is the wizard, but Captain Marvel. Yeah, but you can't just say it like that. You gotta go like Shazam. Shazam. I can only say it that way. Right. 
Uh, then we go to um, we see this kind of like super anti-hero bar, I guess, that that these uh these uh, yeah these like anti-villains and heroes are all hanging out in and we see this it looks i don't know if it's lobo or like someone dressed like lobo but but lobo's in there just like smoking a cigar and hanging out with somebody <laughs> which, which, I, which i really enjoyed and and norm McKay, norman mckay is there and he's like man these kids they're they're monsters there's beasts they're beasts and specter says they will be tamed and then of course superman shows up what does he do he takes one look at the bar and he just laser visions and destroys all the alcohol and he's like this doesn't help that's a bit egregious soups and says party's over this reminds me of that superman story we looked at when uh superman destroyed all the drug dealers houses uh, i'll be back for you i'm like dude man superman does not like a party at all (laughs) comes in destroys the bar the poor bartender like he's just working his job just in his little green green lantern or green hornet outfit or whatever this yeah that one's not even a crime yeah no, it's not. But Superman, like this is a different kind of Superman. Like he's a little more, you know, a little more forceful. Um, he's a little. This more... is Boomer Superman. He's tired of their shit. It's definitely Boomer Superman. He's like, look, party's over. <laughs> uh, and basically Superman is saying like, look, those of you who take up with us willingly will be expected to act, you know, to be responsible, act as responsible as you are powerful. You'll be expected to behave better. And those of you who don't will be dealt with. So there's like, you know, again, there's this hope of Superman, uh, but there's also this, there's this like dystopian edge to him here where he's kind of always putting in these, these veiled threats. So Superman takes off and then we see uh, someone else show up once Superman is gone and it is Oliver Queen. And apparently he has showed up with a counter offer. So, you know, Superman has, has come and, and basically told all these heroes join or die essentially. Meanwhile, Ollie Queen, uh, Green Arrow, who we know is aligned with Batman, he has showed up and he's got another offer for them as well. Um, we then go see uh, the Justice League is uh, at this round table, um, uh, basically up in the sky in the uh, the Green Lantern's little Emerald City here, and uh, they're meeting here, and uh, they're they're basically it's it's basically the the seven uh, Justice Society that we met already, plus uh, you know a bunch of other some of these random hero type characters that that have joined them, and uh, Norman McKay is just kind of thinking to himself, he's like you know. Armageddon is coming like Superman's troops will soon wield the power enough to shake the earth. Will they have enough power to save it? And if so, save it from what? Like, what are what are we actually saving things from? And um, now what we're we're looking at is where Superman is asking, like, where is Magog? Like, this is one guy we haven't we've heard, heard him reference. We've seen him on the news. We haven't actually seen him. So Superman wants to go out and um, I guess actually try to uh, find Magog. I was wrong, actually, before when I said when I said that Aquaman had died, he just didn't join the Justice League yet because we're going to get to that in a minute. Uh, But basically, they want to create an underwater prison uh, for these rebellious metahumans. It seems kind of totalitarian to me a little bit. Um, so Diana and Superman go down to Atlantis to meet with Arthur, uh, to meet with Aquaman. And they're basically laying this out. They're like, hey, can we make an underwater prison down here? And he's like, um, no, fuck off. <laughs> like, like, I don't want anything to do Super with Super Gitmo. Yeah, and he also references something here. He's like, he references how uh, Diana has kind of fallen from grace. And uh, he's like, what? No, no, actually, Superman didn't even realize that this is what they were going to offer, like, when they came down here. Because it's actually Diana that brings it up. She says, you know, uh, the seas provide the perfect buffer between your world and ours. Bearing that in mind, we have come to ask permission to create here an underwater penal colony for rebellious metahumans. And Superman's like, what? <laughs> and, and, and and Arthur's just like, don't insult me by acting disingenuous, Superman. It's not as if we're unused to being burdened with the super surface worlds refused permission denied so then they kind of take off and 
um, you know, and, and he even says like, you know, my subjects need me, princess. You have hundreds of champions to defend a few land masses. I protect the other 70% of the world and there's only one of me. I have responsibilities you cannot dream of. And, um, and she also reveals here, she's he's like, so go back, you know, go wear that crown. And she's like, I no longer have my royal station, Arthur. Uh, so she, this is also when Superman finds that out. So Superman, I guess I'd like, they didn't talk about this at all before they went down there, uh, that they were going to offer, you know, to make this prison or that uh, she had kind of lost her position um, at, and, and Themyscira. It's kind of lost her her royalty, so to speak. Um, and, and Superman's like, how long were you planning on keeping all this from me? She's like, which part, the prison thing or or my loss? He's like, uh, both. He's like, Danny, you've changed. Like, I don't like these things you're asking me to do. What's going on here? And she's like, I sense so much anger from you. And she's like, not, not anger, Carl. Passion. And they're about to make out. Bow, but, bow, bow. but they don't because they're interrupted by, I think this is supposed to be like Arsenal and Power Girl. Oh, not Power yep. Girl, but um, not uh, Power Wonder Girl. Girl. Wonder Girl, yeah. That's nice. Diana, Troy, and Speedy. Yeah, and they say, um, it's Magog. We found him. So they go and Magog is actually there in, in what appears to be Kansas, just building up, uh, building up, building a farmhouse or something, kind of doing the Superman thing uh, when suddenly the whole thing explodes. And um, and there is Superman and the League to confront Magog. He says, what are you doing back in Kansas, Magog? I saw the news news footage of your last mission and believe me, it will be your last. And he says, well, well, look who it is. The Metropolis Milk Toast. I like that one. The Me- I think I might start going that by that. The Metropolis Milk, Co- Milk Toast, Mark Claire. Uh, I never left, <laughs> Blue Boy. I never thought you'd go this far over the top magog and uh he's like you you let these you led these six unstable powerhouses against one pathetic parasite and overkill gesture that murdered one million people and magog's like so what are you gonna do about it go ahead take a swing punish me kill me if you've got the guts and he's like i'm not afraid of you magog and he said and magog says fine get out of town oh wait you already did that so they're basically just, just <laughs> they're just sniping at each other here and he says you've got a lot of nerve blaming me you know this is your fault and he's like you're what, what, what do you mean my fault so then we get uh, a little bit of a, a recap here again through the uh, perspective of of like norman mckay and uh the specter kind of seeing what had, had gone down here uh but basically joker came to metropolis and killed 29 people of the daily planet including lois lane uh in response to this uh when when joker was getting arrested magog showed up and murdered the joker and uh superman arrested magog for it because even though this was his wife that got killed um he still stands for truth and justice and he doesn't think you should be murdering people so he so superman took magog under arrest and at Magog's trial, uh, he was acquitted. Can we see that the real crime committed here is Superman with the ponytail? <laughs> yeah, Superman, ponytail Superman does not work. Does not work. No. I think this was a sign that it was time for him to take some time off anyway if he had gone into his ponytail stage. Mm-hmm. At, at this point but yeah so that's basically how we got to this kingdom come world it was a world that was already developing but what really put it over the edge was uh the joker murdering lois lane superman still being the good guy he is doesn't go out for revenge in fact he actually arrests the man who kills the joker but what really took out what really like you know destroyed superman's uh faith in humanity and, and faith that he should even be that his kind of justice his vision of justice has a place in this world was that the jury acquitted magog they decided that it was okay for Magog to go kill the Joker because the Joker had committed this horrible crime. And to super from Superman's perspective, this was just a total breakdown in truth and justice and, and everything that he had stood for. Um, so yeah, that, that is basically the, the history here. Um, and then we see that, yeah, like I said, that's what, that's what led, uh, Superman to just take off and never show up again. And, and now we're back to, uh, Magog and Superman kind of talking here. And he says, and Magog's like, look, I never got a piece of, piece of you. And now you're right here, right where I want you. 
And uh, he's like, the way you took off, look all around you. This is what I represent. You must be proud. Proud? Proud? And Mag- Magog is so angry now. And he just blasts him with this, with his little like spear or whatever his, his power rod is. I don't really know. We don't, we never get an origin of Magog here. I think they do explore that in some other. <laughs> power later. rod. Yeah, power rod. <laughs> And he's like, are you proud of being the man of tomorrow? And Superman's just standing there like smoking, like he wasn't really hurt by this thing. He's like, it's it's your fault, you bastard. The world changed, but you wouldn't. So they chose me. And then Magog, yeah, now he really does look like Cable when he takes that helmet off. <laughs> he says, the, they, they chose the man who would kill over the man who wouldn't. And now they're dead. He's like, he's like, this is all your fault because you left. They had to choose me. I'm the man willing to kill. And that's why this happened. So it's actually like, we actually see like Magog like breaks down here. He's like a million ghosts, punish me, lock me away. So Magog is like, like a complicated character too. He's not necessarily he's suppressed. A yeah, he's not necessarily a villain here. He was just a villain that had a different sense of justice, more of like a Punisher style villain. But it was actually Superman leaving and the world, the world saying uh, that they would rather choose someone like Magog to be their leader. And he's like, that's what led, that's what led to everything. That's what led to this event where a million people are dead and it's all cause you left. And he's like, just take me, take me. I don't kill me, do whatever you want to me. Just make the ghost go away. Um, and, and that's actually like throughout this, that's kind of all that we see of Magog through the rest of this. Like we see him again later on in another issue, but in, in the beginning, it seemed to me like they were building up Magog as like the big bad here, but that's not really the case. Uh, this basically is taking care of Magog for the rest of the series. So yeah, I mean, it would be too simple for that because while we've been anticipating that the villain is a person it's not a you know fist to fist fight it's a philosophical fight yes yep very much so so it, it's fitting that this doesn't just end with some big battle between superman and magog and that's how and that's and then it's all over because superman wins because that that wouldn't really fit this story and what the story is about um we then go to what appears to be Man, I'm having a lot of brain farts today. What's the planet the dark side lives on? Apocalypse. Thank you. Which is being run by his true son, Orion. Right. Of the new gods. Right. And, and they kind of sh- shoot this like it's a movie. They kind of they, they have these angles of the panels where it actually looks like it is dark side at first, like the way his head is shaped and how you see him from behind kind of overseeing the planet. But then when uh, when Superman shows up, he's like, oh, far be it for me to argue with the Lord of Apocalypse. And it actually is Orion. So Apocalypse uh, in this reality has been deposed and Orion has replaced him. And um, yeah, and then th- there's a good line here. It's, it says um, like so I guess basically like. Orion took over like Orion. Yeah. Orion took out dark side. There was a revolution and everything. Uh, and, and, you know, Superman's like, look, I need you on my side. You're a God. You have the power to change your world or to destroy it. And he's like, you would be surprised. I fear at how easily one can lead to, to the other. And, um, there's kind of an interesting speech by, by Orion here. But one thing that stood out to me, he says, Liberty was every bit as paralyzing as fascism, fascism. So when, when these people who had lived under dark side for so long, uh, suddenly became free, like they were completely paralyzed. They didn't know how to be free. They didn't know what that was. That was actually more frightening to them. And they sort of have demanded that Orion act more like dark side, which is just so fascinating to me because it, it really kind of speaks to, I don't know, the state of humanity, the state of mankind. Um, it's not necessarily, you know, we often look at history and we, we look at, you know, leaders like Adolf Hitler or Mao Zedong as as the shapers of their times. But is it really? Is it really the opposite? Is it the people who create those leaders and create that type of that type of situation? And maybe it's a chicken or an egg thing, but it is uh, something that, that that kind of is brought up here by Orion's speech. So what do you I, think I've got this I've got like a quick story between yeah. when I left my previous day job and when I started my new one, I worked at a warehouse part time. 
and I, uh, you know, befriended one of the other guys that I worked packaging stuff with, and we were talking about things. And I, I had just recently got out of the army, and um, you know, we were just talking about just things in general, and not to get political, but we were talking about like you know, like when I joined, it was like right when Obama like pulled full pulled combat troops out of Iraq and stuff. So I was joining, you know, a peacetime army, and then we transitioned to the world of ISIS and everything, and then ISIS kind of went wayside. And, you know, we're, we're constantly questioning. It's like where's the next threat, but we were talking about foreign policy. And the one thing I mentioned was like, what was the point of trying to really set up liberal democracy in Iraq? And I wasn't saying that loaded. It was just like, you know, sometimes people don't want certain things. And I don't, I still don't understand if it's just because they don't want it or they don't understand it. It's probably something lost in the middle, but this is really one of those situations where it's like, you know what, if they want what is bad for them, who are we to say otherwise? Yeah, it's a. I'm not saying that's the right answer. I'm just saying that, you know, that answer in itself leads to a dozen more questions. And I think very much like this, it's one of those situations. And what you see on apocalypse is kind of like what you're seeing on earth right now. Right. Yeah. There's no right or wrong answer necessarily here, but it is, it is food for thought. That is for sure. So Superman isn't getting anything from Orion. So he ends up going to find, uh, Big Barda and Scott Free, Mr. Miracle, uh, to help him out here. So uh, they're they're basically joining up with Superman's uh, thing here, I guess, essentially. And uh, yeah, and basically we end up by seeing uh, that there is an alliance here. And uh, we see uh, Lex Luthor's team, the Mankind Liberation Front, who shows up to meet up with him. It is Batman and his crew, Batman, Oliver Queen, Dinah Lance, Ted Cord, And apparently there is now, uh, as we end issue two, an alliance between Lex Luthor and Batman. What do you think about that? That was reading this the first time, something I did not see coming at all. But I mean, you got to think about it. Like everyone on that team, they're all humans, whereas everyone on Superman's team, they all have powers minus, you know, like Speedy for some reason. But like this is what I love about. DC comics. And I mean, I'm not saying it's not good of Marvel, but like Marvel is where humans learn how to become gods. DC is where gods learn how to become humans. And this is really a tale of the gods learning. How do we handle the humans? So now we move on to kingdom come issue three. And uh, we always start with a splash page of some, some, you know, apocalyptic image uh, along with some Bible quotes here. But uh, here we are seeing a big dark red lightning image of Shazam and he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth and when he had cried seven thunders uttered their voices and Spectre's like another vision and Norman's like yeah 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 they're coming more and more quickly dreams of Armageddon you know all that great stuff he's like certainly you must share them like how else do you explain the the road we walk like don't you see these visions too like like don't you see everything I see don't you know the realities behind my dreams and Spectre says I, I see many things Norman McKay but the future is not one of them I do not lead you you lead me inexorably to an imminent hour when judgment must be passed and justice served only you foresee the road to ragnarok so i find it very interesting here that the specter is this you know otherworldly spiritual creature here but he's like i actually need you like you're the one having visions you're the one who it seems like these visions from wesley dodd have kind of been passed on to norman mckay and he's like i need your visions to guide me you're actually leading me on this path to where to go so i can decide who is going to be you know who's going to receive the final judgment here who is going to be held responsible for the events that are going to unfold but i don't know what these events are i know they're coming but i don't know what they are and that's why i need you norman mckay this human to be my guide which i really really find an interesting aspect of their dynamic 
Well, it's kind of like, you know, yesterday I went to go buy myself a mattress for the first time and I felt kind of like a fraud. I'm like, I'm just an overgrown child. And any minute now, like a real adult is going to come in and be like, you're not old (laughs) enough to make these decisions. Go home, kid. I can only imagine what it's like for Norman to be like, oh, shit. You mean the fate of the world is on my shoulders? Fuck. Remzo, welcome to adulthood. For one minute, you're engaged. Next minute, you're doing stuff like buying mattresses. You know, these are the big, these are the big adult changes that are going to be coming left and right at you nowadays. Just, just overwhelming one day at a time. Yeah. So basically uh, we go and now we see we are in Kansas at this gulag that has been built here. This reminded me a little bit of, um, Civil War, a story that I didn't read until I returned from my my comics dark period. But um, when Tony Stark kind of built that prison, I think it was like maybe in the negative zone or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it were, was the one he built with Reed Richards. Yeah, yeah. So that that kind of reminds me of this. Where it's other dimension Gitmo. Yeah, only we're at least we're in the same dimension here with this one. Yeah, ultra dimensional Gitmo. This is basically uh yeah Earthbound Gitmo on uh, a, a gulag for all these these uh sort of uh you know anti heroes that have gone on the wayside. And there's a, as you might imagine a, a lot of unrest in there because they're sticking all these angry heroes into the same place but uh have no fear because why are they not worried about anyone escaping because they have the master of escape himself running this place it's scot-free mr miracle so what do you think of the choice of having having a uh, future kingdom come scot-free being the one to basically be be overseeing this gulag that lets you know the the intensity of what they're trying to do with this because they needed somebody who can escape everything to build the unescapable prison yeah. And they're not necessarily in cells here. Like they see them walking around. It's almost like they have their own little town here that they're just kind of confined to. I mean, and, Magog has like his own loft. Well, yeah. Ma- Ma- Magog's got his, his own like special, like his master suite here. Cause he's just sitting there like with, you know, with his, without his horns on, just looking all sad. So, you so basically from- they created Detroit, but with extra steps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it reminds me of the famous Rick and Morty. Isn't that just the slavery with extra steps? Yeah, this is Detroit with extra steps, essentially. Yes. Uh, so yeah, so uh, we're getting a glimpse of this gulag here, and Superman comes on down, or it's actually just like a, a, a hologram of, of Superman, and he's basically saying, like, "Look, you're not here for punishment. We're not trying to punish you. We're here for education." Which to me, you know, looking at the dystopian nature of this, doesn't sound that much better. <laughs> education in this. We're sending you to the education and camps yes. you just got to read some books learn how to be good heroes and then maybe we'll let you out again uh but shit is going down in the in the gulag like these guys are not necessarily getting along with each other um so yeah there's there's a lot going down and there's this one who do they call him like von something there's this one german like creature that's in there that's causing a lot of trouble uh he gets mad at the hologram and yeah the conflicts are escalating and basically shit is going down um yeah and uh, yeah, there's so there's, there's all this like fighting going on within the gulag. Uh, meanwhile, um, Lex Luthor has kind of has an eye on all this. I'm not sure he's seeing it through the through some some um, somebody through some creature here. So he's got yeah, he's got like one of these creatures on the inside that he can see through. It's actually one of those like parachute creatures that I referenced before that has like um, it seems like some kind of camera in its eye that Luthor is able to watch what's going on on through. While at the same time, we have Norman McKay and the Spectre watching Luthor watching them. So we're very we're getting very very it's uh, like the truman show but with more violence ultra superhero inception here and this is where norm mckay says the man by luther's side you call him captain of the lightning is that captain marvel and i'm like yeah way way to pick up on things norman jeez way way to follow along here you're a little late to the party but all right (laughs) yeah inspector's like yes his role in this war remains a mystery um so we'll get back to him i guess but um yeah uh where did i go where did i go in my notes here 
Uh, yeah, basically, shit goes down in the gulag. Oh, yeah, and then we see that Shazam, the wizard Shazam, is having this Panic at the gulag. He's meet- He's having a meeting at like, the Cosmic Council, so we see, like, Ganthet there, and um, I don't know if you recognize any of these other cosmic uh, DC creatures here, but... Uh, you, you got you got Allfather? Yeah, Allfather. Shazam is basically begging them, like, he's like, look, I could, I could love him no more than he were my son, and he is lost. We must help him. We must help them all. He's referring to Billy Batson slash Captain Marvel. Is that the Phantom Stranger in the fedora? In the fedora? Oh, it's got to be, right? I don't know any else, anybody else who wears a fedora like that in the DCU. Yeah, it's got to be him. So we've got Ganthet, Allfather, the wizard Shazam, other bearded guy. It's basically DC's version of the Marvel what I call the Marvel cosmic crew. Uh, the, the team that they, they, they're these cosmic entities that meet up whenever some serious shit is going down and they just kind of talk about things. But Shazam is basically just there to advocate uh, on behalf of Billy Batson. He's like, look, he's fallen off. He's fallen off his, his shit here, but you know, he's a good boy. I gave him this power for a reason and we can rely on him. Like, like we should, we need to save him. Hunter's not a crack addict. He just loves crack and smoking Parmesan. <laughs> smoking Parmesan. Uh, we also see an appearance here from dead man. And this is the point in the show where I'm going to say, Remzo, what can you tell us about Dead Man? Daredevil Boston Brand was forced to go ahead and commit a mega stunt, but was trapped and killed during his act. Therefore, he has to walk the earth until he can find his killer. Just behind the scenes, folks, I do not give Remzo any preparation for when I'm going to lay these on him. He had no, there is no advance notice of when I'm going to say, Remzo, tell me more about. So that makes us all the more impressive that I'm always able to get a 10 second summary of these, of these, uh, these characters from you. I'm not talented at at much, Mark, but I do know this. Indeed. So yeah, dead man. And, uh, there's not too much point to the dead man, Norman McKay chat here. It's just kind of like an interesting conversation and just sort of a little Easter egg for DC fans saying, Oh look, dead man. Cool. He's here too. Um, so yeah, they're, they're chatting. And then he's like, anyway, speaking of the angel, good talking with you, Padre. Don't be in any hurry. But when you get to the other side someday, look me up. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, when you die, I need maybe- friends. Yeah. He's like, I'm pretty lonely. When you die, maybe we can hang out. Eternity's a long ass time, bro. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, Superman and Wonder Woman are reflecting on old times way up in the sky. there, sitting outside the, uh, the Emerald city outside of earth. Uh, D- and Diana finally tells her the tale of her trial. Uh, basically it was decided that she she had failed as an ambassador to humanity. And basically this all still goes back to Superman taking off everything, falling apart because Magog was the new sort of hero leader here. And, uh, and yeah, and yeah, so they're just kind of, uh, they're just kind of chatting. And I, I do here. just want to say like each time she wants to call him Clark, she calls him Cal. And really what this represents is what we've seen throughout. It's like Superman has essentially given up on his humanity. Mm-hmm. And even though he's trying to get reimmersed back in humanity, it's like, because uh, because Lois died, Mom Pa Kent died, and everyone else died during the Joker's attack in Metropolis, he's basically shed the human Clark Kent, and now he has just embraced the alien Kal-El. And that's one reason. They don't get into it in, really in the story, but uh, very early on, Batman references, like, you've gotten dark, and Superman's like, I don't have a dark side, and he's pointing to his emblem, and he's like, really tell that to your tailor. Black is new on you. And the reason why is he took the yellow out, because he basically, in and this is really inception during the crisis on infinite earth's cw crossover dc special in which brandon routh the superman returns superman comes back to play superman again in conjunction with his role as ray palmer the atom
them, they go ahead and meet the cinematic version of the Kingdom Come Superman. And what he basically says is, I could continue being Superman, but the light of my life has been sucked away. Well, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you, po- you brought that up, though. The, uh, the constant references to... I had a real, like, Rain Man moment just now. <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, Wapner at uh, Wapner at 5 p.m. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, like, th- this thing where he, he does not want to be called Clark is really just it really encapsulates the entire arc of the character here where he lost faith in humanity so he stopped associating himself with humanity and it kind of plays into a lot of what we see this this sort of he says he doesn't have a dark side here but he is a darker version of of this character because he doesn't have as much of, as he, of his humanity clark kent would never suggest creating a gulag i'm, I'm quite sure of that but, <laughs> but, 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 King, but kingdom come kal-el that's, that's the totally cold fun. opening <laughs> <laughs> but yeah basically um they are chatting up in space and uh blah 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 and um yeah basically they're and we, we find out as they're chatting here that uh she actually i don't know if it was on purpose but they're both holding the rope here so i guess um uh yeah again she says you said it yourself once Cl- uh, i mean cal we are warriors we have an obligation to wage combat given who we are D- diana given the power we possess we have a greater obligation to keep the peace and then he lets go of the uh of the rope of the lasso here and says only the weak succumb to brutality and he kind of flies off here then uh we get a um we see these other images here it's like an image of it that actually looks like billy batson being killed uh, it seems like that's that's billy batson uh, but then we see that basically um billy batson captain marvel he is getting the um sort of the clockwork orange treatment here he's being shown these horrific images uh, of superheroes causing destruction i don't know if that's supposed to be billy batson or just a regular kid but it kind of does look like him i think it's supposed to make to build a connection so that way it's more obvious to the reader yeah i think so and so it's supposed to affect him uh more so and we find out that he's uh putting he's using these little worms from a character called dr savannah and um this is uh, another thing that like um from the eric larson verse that you can see eric larson's love of all these asian characters because eric larson um in a big part of his freak force series uh the big villain for a lot of that was dr nirvana and dr nirvana used these worms to control various characters that uh, actually when we started reviewing savage dragon uh, that was the source of 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 these um you know when super patriot was being mind controlled and, and mm-hmm. then we saw mace being mind controlled that they were all being controlled by these worms that were actually from dr nirvana so that that dr nirvana is really just an homage to this dr savannah from the dc universe which i did i didn't really know much about dr savannah I, most of what i know about dr savannah is from uh from kingdom come and from eric larson's uh, i guess homage with dr nirvana so i don't know if you had much experience with dr savannah in the comics I only really know him from the new 52 version of uh, the, Sh- the Shazam reboot, which is kind of still the, the current continuity for Sh- for Shazam. So, like, I know that he was always like the creepy, like part mystical, part science, evil scientist type guy. But more recently, he's just become more of a generic evil scientist who wants to chase down magic type of dude. So I've got an understanding I'm not very familiar, but I do know who he is and what his gimmick is. Indeed. So uh, moving along, and yeah, basically Dr. Savannah has has died, I guess, at some point, um, and because he's he's just referencing Luffer's referencing his his legacy. Basically, he's like, okay, well, at least I got these little uh, brainwashing worms uh, from the legacy of Dr. Savannah. And yeah, basically, we see Luther and Batman talking, um, and uh, they basically say like, um, 
Uh, their plan is basically they're going to control the world with these bat bots. Basically, there. So Luther is taking this this bat mech technology and uh, and uh, creating this army of these bat bots that are, I guess are going to you know uh, going to control everything. Uh, we then later after they're kind of having their little chat, we see a moment here where Batman is talking to this guy and he's like, "Look, just talk to me. Just relax. Uh, you know, just, it, it's it's not do this telepathically. You won't stay too focused." And uh, we don't see it, but we there's a cool image where the spec sort of pulls this guy's uh human skin off but he's you know bat that's not actually happening in the world but it's just to reveal it to norman mckay that this is actually martian manhunter so we actually see that that batman is is also working with martian manhunter for some reason here and he's saying john can you verify and he's like uh, i will attempt and he says too much noise too much too much and he's like he's, he's like what now he's like john you fought the good fight uh, longer than any of us uh you know so just just go take off just just go take a break just get out of here basically so like Martian man under John Jones is just a shell of his former self, but he has uh, confirmed something for Batman here, which we don't quite know just yet what that is, but we will find out later. Uh, what do you think of the little appearance of Martian Manhunter? Here? Martian Manhunter here. I think it really shows the desperation of the world we're in, because at least for me, joining, uh, growing up with John Jones, my familiarity with him was from the Justice League animated series from the early 2000s. John is the conscience. John is a lot like Clark Kent in the way, as, as in he's not from Earth, but he has taken humanity and adopted it, and he wants to stand up for our highest ideals. So the fact that you know he's joined in with you know Robocop Batman and Lex Luthor and half the Legion of Doom and all these other psychopaths. What I, I can only imagine what terrible things led John to be, being part of this, indeed. And we don't really get get much more into about you know how how Martian Manhunter got to where he is, but uh, basically, we're back at this party and uh and and Captain Marvel is just back to being this uh this smiling butler of Lex Luthor there, basically. Um, and basically, yeah. The, okay. So now we are in, um, the justice, I don't know whatever they're calling the justice tower here. And this is a really cool scene here. Cause Norman is there with, uh, with the specter watching over this, this meeting that the justice league is having. And, um, and basically at one point here, uh, because the flash kind of vibrates through different realities, the, the flash is able to sense the presence of Norman McKay. And he actually like pulls him out and pulls him into their reality. And then power girl grabs him. And he's like, who are you? Where did you come from? Like, answer me. Why, why are you here? And she's about to, she's about to punch him. She, I mean, she would have killed him because he's just, he's just a regular guy. Uh, but Superman stops in and he's like, well, what's the deal here? What's, what's your problem? And he's just, and now Norm McKay is just in awe because he's standing here, not with just, just the Justice League, but with all these other heroes around him in this sort of a Green Lantern Emerald Tower. So he's just like, um, hey, <laughs> uh, awkward. He's like, uh, my name is uh, Norman McKay and um, I'm supposed to, uh, look, this isn't going to make any sense, but please understand a catastrophe is coming. I see armies raised against you. I'm trying to warn you. And, and Superman's like, you're here to warn me. <laughs> and um, he's like, look, and look, and he starts like quoting the Bible. He's like, uh, and the, the third part of the trees was burnt up and all green grass was burnt up and the sun and the air were darkened. Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. And Superman's just like, listen to me, man. I don't know who you are or where you come from, but your words are meaningless. Armageddon is hardly on our calendar. These are grim days, but we have matters fully under control. At this point, Red Robin, who we know now is, is a Dick Grayson, thanks to your instant research. He says, holy God, word just came in from the gulag. There's a riot going on. The prisoners have gone berserk. 
Uh, so now, um, you know, they send they send Flash, Green Rant, Lantern, Power Woman. They're calling her Power Woman, not Power Girl now. To the Gulag, go take. Control, She's all says. woman all the time. Yep. And and Superman says, take control through peaceful means. And then Diana says, by whatever means necessary. I want a status report as soon as possible. And they kind of like look at each other here, like like they're not exactly on the same page. And then Spectre says, all right, Norman, we're finished here. And then they they take off. Uh, and then we see this this argument basically uh, between uh, Diana and uh, Carl. Um, and, and she's like, why? And Kyle's like, I don't know where that guy went, but why did you undermine my authority? And she's like, why did I, I saw a crisis. I reacted in a confident and unqualified manner. The others need to see that sort of authority from somebody pull yourself together. We're overdue for a meeting with the UN. So they go off and have this meeting with the UN and then the, the guys at the UN are like, oh, we're so flattered. The mighty Justice League has finally deemed the human race worthy of conversation. And she's like, look, no need for sarcasm here. We should have been talking to you guys earlier. Like, yeah, we're just here to, to make the peace. And 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 this this UN like guy is like, you insist that as hard as this is to believe, it poses no prevailing danger. They're talking about the gulag that those incarcerated are fully docile and eager to acclimate. Is that true, Superman? And then she looks at Superman. He's like, not entirely. It's a work in progress. Uh, We got to find a way to guide those who insist upon working against the common good. I I admit to some danger, but I chose to put these guys together where we can monitor them and teach them. And he's like, and this young guy's like inside this powder keg. Like this, this seems like a global catastrophe waiting to happen. This seems like a really bad idea. And he basically says, we're going to have to decide some things for ourselves. So get out of here. So basically the humans, uh, the UN just tells Superman to fuck off. They're like, get out of here. We're not going to deal with you guys. You, You are just making things worse. So then they they take off and Diana's kind of just like, look, they're they're paralyzed with fear now. They're afraid of us. Look, this isn't we're not putting things in the right direction here. Like, I know we came back to make things better, but now we're just making mankind even more afraid of us. And if things get worse, the league is going to be forced to make a final decisive action. So she's basically saying, like, we're going to have to freaking kill all these all these people, uh, all these like all these criminals basically, or these criminals or anti-villains or anti-heroes, whatever you want to call them. Um, and then they uh, did they make out here. No, I don't know if they do. Um, let's see where we're. Oh yeah, so we're back to uh, this meeting with uh, Luther and Batman's crew. There, and there's also these other heroes—not heroes, but the other superpowered characters that were that Batman brought in that are kind of um, on their side. And um, yeah, basically, they're saying, "Great news! The moment has come for our final strike. The Gulag's in turmoil. The inmates are revolting. Superman's prison has become a cauldron of hate and chaos. That's our cue to deploy our Steel Legion, but not before someone tips that scalding cauldron right onto the Justice League." someone I've been saving for such a task. And he looks at Captain Marvel and he's like me, but all our talks, he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's as I've always said, the superhumans are evil. You can't argue with that. Only you can ensure their destruction. I'm ordering you to demolish the gulag so that its prisoners roam free, free and angry and easily eradicated in a war that no one can win, save us. And he's like, no, I don't want to do it. And then Luther says, I insist and puts one of these little worms in his ear, at which point Batman just knocks out Billy Batson and he says, it knocks like the worm out and says, hello, Billy. And he's like, what? And then, and, and then, and then, uh, Oliver Queen's like, wait, wait, he's not, are you kidding me? All this time we've been in mortal fear of Billy freaking Batson. And he's like, I suspected it for a while. And John's telepathic probe confirmed it. So that's what Martian Manhunter's role here was to confirm that that was in fact, Billy Batson inside, uh, you know, young Billy Batson still inside this body, this Captain Marvel body. He says, it seems Marvel's dual identities are in quite a bit of mental conflict. All these years as Batson grew to manhood, Luther kept him in check by turning him into a stew, a schizophrenic psychosis. And Luther's like, but our goals, we had this whole plan. And Batman's like, no, I was just faking that, and to, just to get in here and figure out what was going on with Captain Marvel. Uh, always bet it. on black. Always bet on Batman. 
So our, our faith in Batman is restored here. It seemed like Batman had gone to the dark side teaming up with uh, Lex Luthor, but he was really just there for literally one reason, just to figure out the Soul Captain Marvel thing, which I, I just thought was hilarious. He went through the whole thing, having Luthor produce all these like, uh, you know, bat robots for him. And it was all just so he could get inside and figure out what was going on here. Uh, we then get to uh, back to right uh, back to. Oh, yeah. And, and Superman basically says, all right, strike. And all these uh, these these heroes, these superpower people that were on his side kind of just take out all of Luthor's crew here. Um, so that's pretty much it for uh, Luther and company. Um, and well, actually, not, that's not it yet, because Luther is running away. And at the same time, like Batman is trying to k- catch up with Billy Batson in the Captain Marvel body, who is running away. And uh, he's like, you know, one sad day he spoke his magic for the word for the last time and vanished inside a scared little boy. Um, so he is. Yeah, he's basically this is basically grown up Billy Batson that has the powers of of, of Captain Marvel. But he's been kept in this in this kind of state. Um, and then like yeah, basically he's chasing him and some shit goes down. This thing kind of bursts open and there's uh, like water falling all over him. And um, he says and Billy's kind of freaking out. And Batman's like, Billy, no, stay calm. I can help. Stay calm. Stay calm. And Billy's looking at all these worms. Oh, yeah, this thing was holding the worms. That's what it was. And they're crawling all over him. And he's like, uh, uh, sha, sha, shazam. And then boom. And now, and he's gone. Like, he's just gone. So finally, uh, older Billy Batson has now turned into Captain Marvel for the first time in, in God knows how long. And then Batman's like, damn it. And they're like, are you all right? He's like, yeah, but I was, I was hoping to, uh, I was hoping to, uh, you know, kind of get to this guy before he turned into Captain Marvel and took off to do God knows what, because the last thing he was told to do was to go destroy the gulag and let all these villains out. So this is not, this is not a good situation. And Batman's like, all right, uh, no longer a wild card. Unfortunately, he's still in Luther's thrall. God help us. So he is, he is still being controlled by Luther because those worms kind of got all over him. So he is still following that original commandment. Uh, meanwhile, we go back and we get this kind of argument between um between superman and diana basically it's, it's about the use of lethal fourth because diana has this big sword from from themiscara and she's like yeah i'll use this thing if i have to and she's like no diana we're just there to keep the peace and uh you know we we, we don't want to using these lethal weapons like I'm, an, I'm, I'm i'm uneasy about you using this blade and she's like well sorry not all of us have heat vision <laughs> hey diana i'm afraid you might kill some people yeah, which I really like that line. She's like, not all of us have heat vision, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, and basically, um, uh, yeah, they have this whole argument. And then eventually, right at the end of this argument, they just make out. <laughs> so the tension's been, th- been there the whole time. They've almost done it a couple of times. But finally, we do get the kiss between Diana and Batman. And they say it is a it is a kiss completely devoid of passion. It is a final farewell. Uh, and then we see Superman take off. And he shows up again at the Batcave and he's like, dude, I need your help. And Batman's like, look, we've already been through this. He's like, shut up. I don't have time for your holier than thou cracks. He's like, you're not above all this. Not now. Not with the stakes as high. We're racing at the end. We're racing towards the end of the world, Bruce. I've got a half a second lead, but by all the stars in heaven, that's not nearly enough. The gulag's ready to blow. Oh, shit. I just realized Spectre's standing right behind him. Somehow I never realized that. Yep. Normie and Spectre are there the whole time. They're watching everything. Every scene, they're there. Even when we don't realize it, like they're there in the background because this is all through Norman's perspective really it says yes even if we speak wonder woman and the league stand outside its halls uh, so we head over to the gulag where shit is going down wonder woman's like you guys got to calm down you got to all surrender or you're going to face the consequences and batman then we go back to the conversation with batman and superman he's like you mean to tell me you never saw it coming to this did you consider that a war might be for the best that perhaps humanity's only chance for superhumans to swallow each other He's like, don't give me that shit. And they're arguing, arguing, arguing. And he's like, tell me you'll help. And Batman's like, I'll tell you this one thing. There's a player you haven't counted on, Captain Marvel. And Superman's like, what? 
Marvel. And he's like, yeah, he's been brainwashed severely. Once this was a good kid, but but he's been driven completely out. And I don't know how you'd ever find that kid again. Marvel's headed for the Gulag, Clark. He's going to break it wide open onto the Justice League. What do you expect me to do again? And then he turns around and Batman's gone. Uh, no, Superman's gone. And I really like this line. Batman says... So that's what it feels like. <laughs> that's one of my favorite lines in this thing. Cause you know, Batman is just known for just disappearing when people are talking to him mid sentence, usually with commissioner Gordon. Uh, so then we go, we see Superman flying towards the gulag just in time. Uh, he gets there and uh, we are kind of seeing the battle take place. Diana and her forces are, are battling these, these uh, other, other, uh, you know, other super powered uh, anti-villains, anti-heroes, et cetera, inside. And also through Norm McKay's, perspective we see him seeing these visions and he's saying i see ragnarok at last unfold and worst of all i see the desperate hopes of the one man who might stop it turn to ash and cinders because right as superman is flying in he gets taken out by a single bolt of lightning armageddon has arrived and it has arrived in the form of captain marvel and we see captain marvel standing over uh, uh over superman to end the third issue what did you think right there of that of how this issue ended with captain marvel just taking out superman and standing frighteningly confidently smiling over him this is one of those beautiful things where i think uh true fandom and just pop culture for people who are aware of these things but don't really know much about them collide because there's this often uh you know paired fight between superman and shazam captain marvel like who would win and while many people think oh you know it's 50 50 at least probably most likely superman fans actually know that they have fought multiple occasions and Captain Marvel Shazam is usually on top because Superman isn't just vulnerable to kryptonite. His powers are also nothing compared to magic. And Shazam, Captain Marvel, is a being of pure magic. Yep, indeed. And that's always been Superman's uh, Superman's uh, tough spot. Tough spot? Superman's weak spot. Yeah. We even did a poll in this a while ago in the in the Second Break Comics fan zone who would win Superman Shazam. And almost everyone who answered it was like, well, what, what, regardless of how I feel it would go, the answer is Shazam. It's got to be, right? Yeah. So as we do with all of these issues, we start with more apocalyptic images. And now we are seeing uh, also like in the background, we're seeing all these all these battles. What we're seeing in, in the foreground of this is uh, Superman and Shazam battling. There were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. This was my dream. And this is obviously still through like, um you know, through, through the perspective of Norm McKay. And now this shit is just going down. There's I know there's the antiheroes. There's the, uh, you know, battling Diana and the forces, Superman and then Shazam are battling each other shit is just getting absolutely man crazy. doesn't this doesn't just, just doesn't this just have Zack snyder written all over it it, it totally does like i really want to see this done by Zack snyder yeah. um and then we see another meeting at the un they're talking about all the shit that's going down there's there's, there's a one line here in here with uh with with one of the guys in the un that i like he says we are at the flashpoint of human existence I know, not, <laughs> I know that's not meant as a reference to a future flashpoint event but I, I just find little little tie-ins and little phrases like that uh pretty interesting to me so the humans are just kind of overseeing events here they're like dude, dude we're fucked what are we gonna do um basically yeah um let us stri- and, and they're saying let us strike while we still can godspeed so they have a plan as well they're going to basically nuke this whole battle and just get rid of all these all these uh, heroes at once that that's their plan and we even see the U- un guy like he's not even happy with the situation he's sitting in his office all upset who's who's watching over him of course the specter and norman mckay 
Um, so then we go back to the battle. Um, they're gonna, yeah, they're about to nu- nuke the gulag. The shit is going down when in rolls. I love this splash page again. In rolls Batman in his mech suit along with all of his friends, the heroes that teamed up with him. Um, we've got Oliver Queen, uh, Black Canary, uh, Ted Cord as the Blue Beetle, and a bunch of other uh, of these other heroes that had previously joined up with him. So uh, shit is just getting crazy. It really does feel like an um, an apocalyptic uh, Ragnarok. Type Type battle here as all of these forces that we've seen throughout this series are are all coming up together um eventually diana kills i thought his name was like von braun or something he was this german this like german um you know anti-hero guy that uh they that they were worried about putting in the gulag that would start all this trouble and apparently he did start all this trouble and he's about to kill someone by like crushing this like other robot guy on him when diana just th- drives this sword right through him and uh kills this dude and and batman's like diana it's like oh my god you killed this guy and she's he's like yeah he left me no choice they began this i will finish it and then that just makes the even worse because this one criminal i don't know we've seen him throughout the series but he's like did you see that she killed him she killed yeah von bach i was right she killed von bach get her so now this is just inflamed things even worse because now now these heroes are even more afraid they're like my god wonder woman's just around there killing people like this is not gonna work um so the battle's just getting worse and worse and worse batman and wonder woman are kind of having this uh philosophical argument about killing because despite everything that's gone down i mean batman's whole thing have you heard of the ship of theseus this is the ship of theseus moment yes exactly which of Um, us is the real ship (laughs) (laughs) and yeah and uh yeah so basically and then wonder woman and bruce like go fly up all into the sky they have their they have their their conversation all up there they're like let's get out of here we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk up here in the sky but then they look over and they see these three like little drones coming in and these are the three nuclear weapons that are on the way to destroy all of them um so yeah, meanwhile, uh, Shazam and uh, Superman are, are just battling each other and Shazam is like going nuts. He keeps saying Shazam over and over. He does, And every time he does it, it's like another bolt of, of just thunder and lightning. And he's just using it over and over on Superman. He's like Shazam, Shazam, Shazam. And Superman's just getting wrecked, just absolutely wrecked by this whole thing. And it's causing so much destruction around them. Uh, we see people fleeing. We see Oliver Queen, even like even the uh, Alan Scott Green Lantern is like, oh shit, this is too much. And they're up there. And then meanwhile, back up in the sky, we see Batman and Diana. He's like, open your eyes, Diana. Your answer flies on metal wings. These are nuclear characters, the ultimate war bringers. Our war is not one act of violence at the cost of some lives. Our war ends in extinction. If you're that devoted to the Amazon honor, if your soul genuinely longs for atonement on Amazonian terms, then let's keep fighting and let the planes do their work. And yeah, that's the ship of Theseus moment, basically. Because <laughs> then Diana's like, yeah, no, we can't do that. So they go and they basically try to take these things out. But there's only two of them. So Batman's able to take one of these things out diana uses her sword and, and destroys another one of these nukes but there's one left and it's heading right for the gulag where this battle's going down and and norman just sees this and he's like no because uh, he realized what's about to happen over the sound of distant thunder and and, and superman's just saying enough and then we're still getting it billy again he's saying shazam and we even see in superman's eyes like his eyes are just red inside like he is actually losing just as the second print comics fan zone predicted he is losing this battle to shazam uh because they're probably almost equally powerful but you know but because of the magic element like you know superman definitely has the advantage uh, doesn't is at the disadvantage i should say finally superman just says enough and he puts his hands over 
his mouth so he can't say Shazam again. And then he turn and now he's stuck in the Billy Batson form because he he's he kept turning back and forth every time he says Shazam to kind of blast Superman with his power. Uh, but Superman kind of caught him in the human form and stopped him from saying Shazam. So for one instant, the storm clears. Fingers that confuse coal into diamond crawl across human bone in the hush. Ears that can hear a cell divide and we see the blood like pouring out of Superman's ear because he can hear what's coming. He can see this nuke that's coming. And uh, and uh, of course, Norman sees it too and he's like, what? And Spectre says, it's time. And it's a really cool shot here. In Spectre's eye, we just see the face of death as well. Uh, so this thing is on the way and Norm- and now Spectre is huge. <laughs> he's like, really is like the watcher here standing over everything. He says, judgment has come, Norman McKay. The hour tolls. Our entire journey has brought us to this moment. And Norman's like, but, but the bomb, that bomb, he's like, will determine the fate of the world. If it drops the superhumans will surely die but humanity will be spared their violence if not they will live on to fight a battle that will in time swallow the earth in either case we face the evil of genocide and my task is to punish those responsible for evil but who shall be held accountable whose sin is this the humans or the superhumans tell me norman judge and norman's like me he's like yeah yours the soul that guide me you are the one guiding me here he's like how can i how can i judge there's no evil here there's tragedy in bedlam and and the specter says judge carefully so now norman is going to watch what's going on he's going to judge this apparently and superman says i I don't know what to do i'm sorry yeah norm no yeah this is superman says i don't know what to do you can see that can't you every choice i've made so far has brought us here has been wrong and superman's palm spasms around batson's jaw and and batsman's whippering because this really is billy batson now this is like almost he's in the adult body but he's still kind of in a child state because of everything that luther has put him through he says the clock is racing only moments remain before the blast and so now superman is talking to billy he says so listen to me billy listen harder than you ever have before look around us look what we've come to there's a bomb falling either it kills us or we want to rerun rampant across the globe i can still stop the bomb bill that much i'm sure of what i don't know is whether i should be allowed to and he says in that decision it's not for me to make i'm not a god i'm not a man but billy you are both and he basically takes his hand off billy and he says i'm gonna leave this to you more than anyone who has ever existed you know what it's like to live in both worlds you are a human and you are a god only you can weigh their worth equally fight the brainwashing billy you can let me go or with a word you can stop me do you understand the choice that can be made by you alone then decide and he basically gives him the chance like billy could say it again he could say shazam and he could take superman out right now he could end this whole thing he says decide for the world but superman gonna just takes off he flies up And so it seems like Superman is going to go stop the bomb. But then we see Billy looking up and then we see Billy say the word. He says, Shazam. Seven thunders utter their voices. So Shazam flies up, grabs Superman, throws him back to the ground. And Shazam, Billy Batson flies up, flies into this nuke, grabs this nuke, pushes it as far as he can. And he's screaming, Shazam, 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 as everyone looks up and looks on. And then... Boom, we see this nuke just go off and explode. And then we see this. We go back to a scene where we see uh, Norman McKay and Spectre and Spectre points at Superman and he talks to Norman McKay, he says judgment. And we just see Superman so upset. And as we see Superman there, we see all these bodies. Superman is the only one that seemingly survived this blast, despite Billy's attempts to push the nuke as far up into the sky as possible. There's all these skeletons and uh, of all these like anti-heroes around him with Superman just de- absolutely devastated. And then we see the redness, the, the red evil in Superman's eyes. You actually see like Superman has lost it now. Superman is is going nuts. Like So now Superman takes off and Norman says, where? Where, where is he going? And uh, 
Uh, Spectre says, almost certainly to confront his human attackers, he feels completely alone, but he need not. There were survivors. They are fewer in number and their pain is great, but the, their war is over. Judgment has been passed. I am no longer needed. Farewell, Norman McKay. <laughs> and Norman's like, farewell, farewell. After all this shit, you think you brought me all this way just to watch people die? Think again, bitch. I added the bitch. You want to confront evil? Then get, us, then get us the hell of the UN right now. You saw Superman. You saw an anger that could twist deal. If what happens next happens, the only way it can and you let it that is evil so now for one specter is actually being forced by norman mckay to, to be more than an observer he's forced to become an active participant so specter takes him takes norman mckay to the un where superman is about to rip shit up he is like ripping down the ceiling like he has lost it he's lost anything any connection he had left to humanity was lost by the results of that blast by by seeing everything happen by seeing all these dead bodies around him and specter saying after 10 years he has finally let free a wrath that would that would cower Satan himself. How could any man possibly calm the fury that he feels towards his persecutors? And he says, and Norman says, I can reach him. Do you really think he's mad at them? He's raging at himself. Let me talk to him now. And Norman says, Clark, Clark, don't, don't. You blame yourself for Captain Marvel, for Magog, for Kansas, for 10 years that ended today. Yes, you're angry, but in that anger, you're forgetting once more that humans feel what they fear. They won't forgive you for this, Clark. Forgive yourself. And he again he looks at him he says who are who are you again like why are you here and norman's like to bear witness listen to me clark of all the things you can do all your powers the greatest has always been your instinctive knowledge of right and wrong it was a gift of your own humanity you never had to question your choices in any situation or crisis you knew what to do but the minute you made the super more than the more important than the man the day you decided to turn your back on mankind that completely cost you your instinct that took your judgment away take it back and basically Superman, I mean, it's a great speech by, by Norman McKay here, basically convincing Superman to take his take his humanity back. If you want redemption, it lives in the very next decision you make and, it, and make it as a man and make it right. And then Superman sees that Diana is actually alive. Batman is alive. Uh, Green Lantern is alive. And she says, and Diana is explaining what happened, she says, with his dying breath, Captain Marvel managed to detonate the bomb high above ground zero. Thanks to that and the combined powers of Green Lantern and others, there were survivors. And he says, how many? And Batman's saying, look, there's enough of us to leave us with the same problem as before the same impasse the same dangers the same distrust the same everything and she's like so what do we do then superman says we got to put things right I, years ago i swore to protect those that drove me to, to years ago i let those i swore to protect drive me away we all did and that was the day all this began and the the, the un guys look we saw you as gods and he says and we saw ourselves as gods and we were both wrong but i no longer care about the mistakes of yesterday i care about coping with tomorrow together and basically you know diana takes off her her um her crown batman takes off his helmet he says we will no longer impose our power on humanity we will earn your trust using the wisdom one one man left as his legacy. I asked to choose between humans and superhumans, but he alone knew that was a false division and only the, and made the only choice that ever truly matters. He chose life. And, and they're referring to uh, the sacrifice that Billy Batson made here. The one person in this that is both a man and a God. He chose to protect as many lives as possible. Many died, but he was able to save these this group of heroes that is at least alive here today. And to honor his legacy, they are going to work together. So Superman actually takes a piece of Shazam's, of Captain Marvel's cape and ties it to the UN flag. I guess that's to like one of the flags of the UN. So I guess that's 
representing basically like these heroes becoming a part of the of the world, like a, a, one of the nations, as opposed to uh, being sort of imposing themselves upon them. They're going to try to work together. God's learning them. to become human. Yes, God's becoming men, men becoming gods. Uh, then we kind of get some some epilogue stuff here. We see Batman in this uh, this place where uh, like it's kind of like a prison for Lex Luthor and uh, uh, the the guy that took over for Rachel Ghoul and all these guys that were plotting against the whole thing. And uh, Batman walks by him and just says, Shazam. Luther says, shut up. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, they go and, um, yeah, b- and basically, uh, yeah, and vis- Batman's visiting some of, like, the injured heroes. And uh, yeah, oh, that's actually Robin, yeah, Dick Grayson that he's visiting here, uh, who was hurting the whole thing, but he's alive, too. Uh, we see uh, back on Themyscira, we see Diana getting her crown back. So all things are good back there. We even see some of these like distraught, uh, these old, these old uh, like anti heroes, including Magog, including Magog is there at Themyscira, and so even Magog has has been somewhat reformed here. And we also see at the UN, someone has a seat at the UN who is wearing a green ring. So now we have uh, it appears that Alan Scott is uh, representing the heroes as sort of um, you know their nation. It actually just says he's representing New Oa, New, new Oa here. Yes, so. Uh, yeah, so all is uh, seemingly well and good. We now see uh, Superman kind of a uh, man putting up all these gravestones in the middle of Kansas where all that thing went down. Diana comes to visit him in this uh, in this kind of sexy red dress here and gives him a gift. And what is the gift? Wah, it's, wah. It, <laughs> it is the She's glasses. the gift. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, well, she is the gift, really. But <laughs> also, it's these glasses, and he puts on the glasses, and of course, the glasses are more than glasses. He has super, super sight. He doesn't need the glasses to see, but the glasses represent him, his return to Clark Kent, his return to, to humanity. And uh, she basically says, take Clark take Claire, take Claire, take care, Clark. And she, he says, take care, Diana. And, and she takes off. And, uh, you know, we kind of get a little epilogue here uh, with Norman and the Spectre. And there's a moment where Spectre actually reveals his human self because, uh, you know, they're kind of talking here. And he's like, you, you yourself, were, Norman says, you yourself were once an ordinary man. Tell me, what would his perspective have, have been? So we now see, I don't I don't remember the, uh, I think he might have been in various forms because he was even in Hal Jordan's body at one point. So I'm not sure the name of this uh, version. I think, I think it's supposed to be like the first guy. I don't remember yeah. his alter ego either. His name was. Uh, but he says, be well, Norm McKay. Spectre person. The- Spectre person. <laughs> you have watched the Titans walk the earth and you have kept stride. Perhaps you are more like them than you realize you exist to give hope. And now we see uh, that, um, that Norman McKay is back, given his sermon, uh, reading the revelation to John. And uh, and his church is full. People are looking at him to hope, including this human version of the Spectre is in the audience there. So now uh, the tables have been turned, whereas uh, Norman thought he was being guided by the Spectre. Really, the Spectre was using Norman, this man of true hope and faith, uh, to guide him, to guide him through this and to see, uh, you know, judgment has been passed. Like there's, there's no one there's no one for, for Spectre to punish. The only one that was being punished really for, from his previous bad judgment was Superman. And Superman had to forgive himself, which is what Norman convinced him to do essentially which is what led us all here so uh, we then get a little epilogue one year later greeting citizens as uh, Diana and, and Clark Kent I guess you could say are going into planet Krypton to have a little meal who are they meeting up with Batman of course they have some news for him but of course before they can say what that news is yeah he already knows he's like yeah you're pregnant he's like what how do you know he's like I'm fucking Batman bitch I know what's going on always at all times he's like okay James Corrigan that was the name James, James Corrigan. Corrigan yes yeah he was a LA detective who was shot and he's only kept alive because of the spirit of the specter so that way they can go and solve crimes together and occasionally witness the end of the world stuff even when he doesn't know the answer right away he finds the answer for you live research that's the second print comics way my, my power is google 
Yeah. But basically they come to him. They're like, look, we're gods, but we don't want to raise a God. We want like, he needs a mentor and we can't think of anybody else to, to, to mentor our child than you, Bruce. So he's like, what? Like what? Like he's like, uh, so I'm supposed to raise like the most powerful creature that's ever been born ever. And they're like, yeah, basically they're like, all right. So I guess we'll do that. Thanks. I really appreciate it. He's like, despite our differences over the years, I've, I've always like basically respected you. And we get a nice big hug between, uh, <laughs> Superman and Batman. Today. Wow. Obviously all that shit with Jason Todd didn't go down. I, guess. I wouldn't want Batman raising my kid. <laughs> and, then, and then, yeah, I know, right? That's actually the last person I'd actually choose considering his history with, with his history with children here. But you know, whatever. I guess we're looking past that, or maybe that maybe that never happened in, in this in this version. Batman and Super Robin. As they leave the diner, we see sitting at this very same diner. I guess they are just buddies now, hanging out this whole time. We see the Spectre, or not the former Spectre, James Corrigan. I think he's seemingly giving up the mantle here. Uh, eating lunch with Norman McKay. I guess they just have a weekly lunch brunch now. And, and Spectre's like, there's a Spectre platter? <laughs> and and Norman's like, look at it this way. It's flattering to be remembered somehow. And uh, yeah, and, and, and Bruce kind of notices this. And I think Bruce kind of knows what's going on because Clark's like, Bruce, are you still with us? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just, just wandering my eyes for a second. He's like, man, the child of Superman and Wonder Woman and Batman, imagine what kind of kid he'll be. She'll, he's like, oh, be she, okay. And, and basically, yeah, but you know, it's 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 a battler for truth. Whoever they, whatever this kid is, they're going to be a battler for truth and justice in a new American way. I can hardly wait to see it for myself. Let's go home and dream about the future. And that is the end of Kingdom Come. So after all this, they're going to have a kid that's, uh, you ever see the show? Probably not, because you know nothing about 80 sitcoms as we've well established. But if you ever heard the show, My Three Dads? That was a show? That was a show. Yeah, it was My Three Dads. I forget why. Why not? I think the kid was actually not a dad of any of them, but for like, man, what was the plot of that show? It was something like they didn't know which one was the real dad of this girl. So then they all raised the kid together, probably for tax reasons or something weird. I don't remember why. Tax reasons are a good reason. (laughs) We all need more Um, dependence in our life. Yes, we do. Yes, we do indeed. Um, So, yeah. And that is it for Kingdom Come. Should we get right into the reviews? I feel comfortable with it. This should not be a surprise, but this is the mecca of all comics. I dare say that is probably the greatest comic of all time. I'm giving it a 10 out of 10 for art, 10 out of 10 for, I'm sorry, 5 out of 5 for art, 5 out of 5 for story, uh, Ten, uh, 10 out of 10. We rarely, rarely, rarely give perfect scores. And sometimes I'm hesitant to give a perfect score, even when I feel it should be, because I just, I always want to be critical, but Going through this twice now in the last you know week, I read it once and then I just went through it with you again. I mean, there's there's even things picking up on the review here I'm doing with you that I didn't even pick up as much on the first time, especially the whole thing with with um you know Superman being called Clark, rejecting the Clark name, finally allowing Diana to call him Clark at the end after he gets the glasses. That really shows his full circle, his return to his own humanity. Uh, it, it it it's it's in so many ways. At the same time, it's a Superman story. It's a it's a Wonder Woman story. It's a Batman story. It's a trinity story really but it's really a story of hope and humanity because the the true character in this is a is a technically a powerless person it's it's norman mckay norman mckay is the one who was there to pass judgment and instead of passing judgment as the specter gave him the opportunity to do so he instead said no we need to set this right we need to let you know we i need to let superman understand the situation i need to give him the chance to pass his own judgment on himself and to forgive himself and that is ultimately what ties this whole story together um anyway this is a long-winded way of saying this is a near perfect story. In fact, it's not near perfect. It is perfect with the Ross, with the, the Ross of Alex art, with the art of <laughs> Alex Ross, you cannot go wrong. And this is no exception. Five out of five for the art. And Mark Wade is one of those like 
I don't I don't know if he's underrated because he is like a, a very famous, well-known superhero writer, but Mark Wade really knows superheroes and really knows how to write superheroes. And he really was able to capture that while still doing a work in many ways that it, a lot of it, I feel like a lot of Mark Wade's work that I'm familiar with anyway is, I don't know, more like upbeat, more sort of, you know, happy-go-lucky superhero-y stuff. So he was able to apply that into a very different type of story and still just capture the characters so perfectly. So the, the writing also gets a 5 out of 5. I don't see how we could disagree on this, Remzo. It may have been obvious from the beginning, but this is going to get a full-on second print perfect 20 score. Yeah, like if if I had to go to like an alien world and introduce them to comic books, like this is the graphic novel I'm taking with me. It's the best yeah. of the best. And one quick fact, Norman McKay is actually based on Alex Ross's father. Oh, I had no idea. Yep. I learned that recently. Cool. Wow. Crazy, crazy stuff. Well, that about wraps it up, my friends. And um, uh, any other house notes before we wrap things up here? Like I said, I want to thank all of the uh, uh, weird science crew that has come on, that has become fans of this show. I hope you enjoyed this dive into a a classic DC comic story. And if you want to hear more, more than just what you get every single week here at the Second Print Comics podcast every single Wednesday, well, we do have more for you. We have that more for you over at the Second Print Comics Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash secondprintpod. We have all sorts of random shows over there. We have Remzo rants. We have uh, Remzo versus the MCU. Uh, what do you, what else you got in the burner, uh, Remzo? Ah, this summer we've got monthly. Well, we've got. I was about to say monthly. Every other month for the next six months, I've got essential reading lists for brand new readers. If you want essential Batman, if you want like holiday themed reading lists, if you want to know how to stack up your own personal comic library, I'm gonna get you covered with that. Cool. Well. With that being said, if you don't want to join our Second Print Patreon, if you're hard up for some money, that's cool too. We appreciate all of you. All we ask in that case is if you could share this show with a friend. If you have friends who are into comics too, just hit that share button on social media. You can find us everywhere. We have a Facebook page, Second Print Comics. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Second Print Pod. Just hit like, just hit share. And if you could take a few minutes to head over to Apple Podcasts, give us one of those five-star ratings and great reviews. That is in many ways, does even more than sending us money does. Of course, Remzo, getting married this year. Remzo, I just got married this year. Or you're gonna, I'm guessing it'll be next year. I got a mattress. Anyway, we're, Remzo's buying mattresses, folks, all right? So if you do want to chip in, we can certainly use the funds to help grow the show as we, as we have been. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is the fans that keep this show going. We respond to what the fans ask of us. And uh, also, just to, to mention some of the things I've been doing on Patreon, I have been doing the Random Marvel Comics podcast. I also occasionally dip into Claire Continues, where I continue on with some books we've looked at. I'm going to be doing one of those uh, continuing on with our look at Invincible, which we d- covered a few weeks ago. And I've also started a brand new podcast called Tales from the Fucket Pile. I grab some comics from home. That's right. I have a whole box of comics. I was at home uh, recently in Connecticut, grabbed a bunch of comics that didn't have bags and boards. I just had one box where I just stuffed comics in there. Actually, in pretty good shape for comics that didn't have bags and boards in them, but uh, I began um, starting to go through those comics, give you my quick reviews of those. Uh, I recently looked at Extreme Sacrifice Number 1 from uh, Image Comics, a huge uh, extreme Rob Liefeld uh, crossover book. So, uh, more fun like that you can find over at the Second Print Comics Patreon. But uh, that's about all I got. Remzo, what about you? My battery's at 5%. The show is over, but the adventure goes on. I'm Remzo W. Martinez. I am the miraculous, mighty, milk toast Mark Blair. Read comics. Change the world. 
Good night, America. Adios. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.